0: Hello and welcome to Oh No Ross and Carrie, the show where we don't just report on fringe science, spirituality, and claims of the paranormal, but take part ourselves. When they make the claims, we show up so you don't have to. I'm Ross Blotcher, and right about now you're waiting for Carrie Poppy to chime in and she's not here. Unfortunately, Carrie got COVID. So Carrie's very sorry she couldn't be here, and we had to cancel some very fun plans we had this weekend for an investigation. But uh, hopefully we'll get to do that thing eventually and tell you about it. Actually, I, I think I was with Carrie when she got infected. We went to the Los Angeles Haunted Hayride, and I think that's where she got COVID. But she says, for listeners, I have COVID. COVID sucks balls. Don't get it. Get your shots, people. For folks in the States, find a free vaccine at vaccines.org or 1-800-232-0233. And she also says, please send salt. It's all I can taste. (laughs) So so anyways, uh, Carrie, sorry she can't be here. Uh, She's been having a rough go of it. You can follow... posts on Instagram if you want all the details. But I do have someone else very exciting here with me today. This is an interview with Sanal Idamaruku, who I've been a fan of for a long time. We we talk a little bit in our conversation about how I found out about him through the James Randi Educational Foundation and The Amazing Meeting, uh, where I met him in 2013. Sanal is an Indian-born author, rationalist, and free speech activist now living in Helsinki, Finland. And that'll be an important story, how he got there. He holds degrees in political science, a master of philosophy, and a diploma in journalism. He was the founder in 1995 of Rationalist International and is still the president. And he's a regular television personality in India. For many years, he's been on thousands of broadcasts promoting reason, rationality, performing investigations, I've always kind of thought of him as the James Randi of India. So I've known about Sanal for well over a decade now, and it was a real honor to get to talk to him. So much of the spirituality that we encounter here in the Los Angeles area is so influenced by Indian tradition, and he has a lot of interesting things to say about that, but also he's going to talk about his personal story and some of the things that he's investigated and why he had to leave India. And because he's in Helsinki, Finland, we have a 10-hour talking difference. So by the wonders of technology, we were able to connect over Zoom and bring this conversation. And without further ado, here's Sanal Idamaruku. Well, welcome, Sanal. So good to have you here on Ono, Ross & Carrie.
1: Nice seeing you after how many years? Almost... Nine years.
0: Nine years. That's right. So we met briefly in 2013. That was at the amazing meeting.
1: Yeah, I, I remember that. I mean, when you send this photograph, the first thing that I noticed was that you have been writing something. I mean, you had a writing, <laughs> hardcore <laughs> Christian. I thought, oh, come on.
0: <laughs> Who is this guy? I'll explain that just for the listener, because I'll probably post this photo with the episode. It says in big, bold letters, I am a hardcore Christian, which was really fun to wear to a skeptics conference, because when people would squint their eyes at me, I would say, no, no, look beneath. It said in really tiny letters, Bale fan. So I'm a hardcore Christian Bale fan. Christian Bale is the actor who played Batman in the uh, Christopher Nolan films. (laughs) Great actor, but more for the funny shirt, my boss bought it for me. Anyway, yeah, at that point, I had been raised a hardcore Christian, but I was maybe nine years an atheist by that point. Now, I'm curious about you. Uh, So you were born in India, but Mm -hmm. you were born to parents who were both Christian and Hindu? Uh, Right.
1: My my father was a Christian, was a Christian before my birth. I mean, by the time I was born, he was already a non-believer. And my mother was a Hindu. I mean, again, she became a non-believer before I was born because both of them were classmates and they've fallen in love and uh, (laughs) uh, they decided to marry against the wishes of both families, which would be very, I mean, difficult in India. Yeah. I mean, perhaps one in Western world would not understand how difficult it would be for people coming from two different religions would try to marry against families' wishes. They were both thrown out from the families and uh, had to struggle a lot. But that's another story, very interesting story that would also bring a light on how I was born. (laughs) (laughs) All
0: of that sounds interesting. I have so many questions, but one benefit of a mixed religious upbringing is that it's kind of a schooling in comparative religion. I I find a lot of people, if they see that early on, it's hard for them to become very dyed in the wool or zealous about their faith because they already see, wait, these two different people that I love very much have different beliefs. But by the time you were being raised by your parents, you say they were already non-believers.
1: Yes, yeah. I, I have been, I mean, very close with my relatives later from both sides. Mm. So I had a very close association with the Hindu family structures, as well as the Christian family structures. For example, my father's mother would visit us and I mean, she would want to go to a church and my mother's brother's visit would go for a temple. So I we all coexisted, had great debates at home. And I grew in a a comparatively friendly atmosphere despite the different religions all around but that was not the case with my parents. My father was a very famous journalist and writer later but before marrying my mother, I mean his family wanted him to be a priest. Oh, and wow. he was sent to a seminary but he ran away from there <laughs> <laughs> yeah. the family was uh, in a tradition of bringing up a lot of priests in the family his uh, a distant uh, maternal uncle was a bishop wow and this bishop was forced to excommunicate my father for his writing about christianity
0: oh no so he was formally excommunicated by the church of course uh, yeah now did you have any family members that you didn't know well because they had written off your mother or father like we don't talk about uncle john
1: (laughs) that was earlier of their life i mean later my father became very popular and well known as a writer everybody wanted to be his relative and most of them came back to us accepting as atheists and rationalists that was very interesting i mean including the the bishop who excommunicated my father visited our home and made jokes about the excommunication (laughs) <laughs>
0: okay. Wow, that all sounds unusual, but I'm glad. I'm glad everybody found a way to coexist. Now, atheism isn't too prevalent even in America. How common
1: is it in India? India has a long tradition of atheism. Okay. Like in Greece, one of the earliest schools of Indian philosophy, which is known as Lokayata, its foundation is a non-belief in any kind of supernatural forces. And there there were very famous scholars, something around 200 BCE, I mean, we find literature of these people, they have been making critical discussions about the origin of universe, about the claim of the other world and all these kinds of things. That was a long tradition, something that can be compared with the Greek tradition of heresy, but which was suppressed later. Then Mm. there's a huge gap, we don't see anything of that sort till india got exposed to the western liberal thought
0: that that seems to be a common refrain in history a long philosophical tradition that maybe goes away for a while and then comes back yeah yeah so i'm interested in what got you involved with paranormal investigations with responding to the claims of public miracle workers and believers. What started that process?
1: That's a very, very interesting story. I mean, my parents have been very clear minded about how to upbring a child. So they were both atheists and non believers, but they didn't want to impose or indoctrinate anything upon their children. I have a sister. We both were brought up without any kind of indoctrination, neither mm. religious nor non religious. Right. We were allowed to see everything, understand everything. And we were asked to take our decision when we are able to take our decision. But by the age of 14, I had an encounter with an incident which promoted me or prompted me to come to the, I mean, the, the rationalist or skeptic movement very clearly. There was a, a neighbor in our home. I mean, we have been living in the southern part of India in Kerala at that time in, in a city named Kottayam. And we had a neighbor who was a stage sprint champion running champion. And uh, she had a kind of a blood cancer. Oh, no. And which was in news and everybody was sad. And she was very young, early 20s or something like that. I never saw her, but she was very famous in our locality. And she was from a Christian group, which would refuse blood transfusion.
0: Oh, the Jehovah's Witnesses? Yes. Okay. Jehovah's Witnesses. And
1: the family insisted that she would not have any kind of blood transfusion because that would be the greatest sin and mm. she also refused to take blood transfusion, which would have perhaps prolonged her life for another 20 or 30 years.
0: Oh, no. And, and yeah.
1: it became a huge news in the whole city. And it was on the newspapers everywhere that they were, they were making prayers and clapping hands and singing songs, but no medicine, no blood transfusion. And that she was going down. And later, she herself pleaded for blood transfusion and medicine. Oh, no. Family refused. Oh, no. And she succumbed to Death. This has shocked me completely. And I mean, <sighs> that's the moment I decided that there is something one has to do to end these kind of blind beliefs. And we have to talk to people about responding to things reasonably. And I went to the, the Rationalist Association, which was a very strong organization in Kerala. And my father was an activist of it. I mean, he was one of the founders of the modern rationalist movement in Kerala. Oh, wow. and, and I asked for membership. They said, no, you cannot take a membership now. You have to be an adult, 18 years. <laughs> and I was only 15 years. <laughs> Interesting policy. Okay. Yeah. Because the, I mean, a person who should be able to take a decision about his life should be an adult for their policy. I mean, that's okay. okay. thing.
0: again, in an overabundance of caution, not to brainwash young yes. people. Yeah, the, okay.
1: Yeah. The, the fundamental principle of that we are against any kind of indoctrination of brainwashing was very seriously taken by organization at that time. So then I asked uh, another option, could I make a student group? Oh, yeah, great idea. And that was immediately accepted. I mean, of course, everyone knew, I mean, my interest in the whole thing. And I started the rationalist student movement. Mm -hmm. And uh, very soon that was there in every school or college at
0: that time <laughs> wow so you're 15 and you're already the founder of of a national yes. group
1: yeah o- originally it was a group in our state which the indian rationalist association later absorbed it into the national movement and became a national organization amazing okay so
0: now we we understand the the origin story that makes a lot of sense so the first story that i heard about you was incredibly badass it was called the great tantra challenge And there was a tantric priest, shaman. What is the right term there?
1: Uh, I think tantric is the correct word, shaman. Okay. It's a kind of shaman in the Hindu tradition. Surenda
0: Sharma was his name? Yeah, Pandit Sharma, yeah. And he was publicly threatening people or making the claim that he could kill someone with the power of his tantric curses or rituals. And so your response to that and seeing all of the fear that this was causing was to say, okay, let's go on live television and... You can try to kill me now. You can't. Do, you you can't do it with poison or real things that actually kill people. But try to do it with tantra. Can you describe kind of what happened after you challenged him?
1: If you go a little more precisely, it mm-hmm. was a television program because I'm very active on Indian television even now from Finland, and that was an evening television program. I mean, at five o'clock I get a call that in thirty minutes we have an urgent show. Will you be able to? I mean, it's a live show. Will you be able to come? I said, okay, just I, I started the studio and the program was about to start and 5.30, there is a national reporting about some contemporary event. Mm. One of the cabinet ministers of India, uh, I mean, she claimed that she had a lot of problems because her political opponents were doing black magic against her. Mm. Okay. So they, they were making a discussion on that. And I was put on one side, on the other side, this famous television tantric, and we had a debate. I mean, that was the plan. We would discuss about this.
0: Just sort of like on a new show, Talking Heads. Yeah,
1: it's it's, t- a, it's a talk show with an anchor and we both on both sides. And I mean, it's okay. a kind of argument or heated discussion going on. Mm-hmm. And then I said, it's absolutely humbug that if somebody claimed... That her political problems or her personal problems or her some relatives dying were because the political opponents doing black magic is irresponsible statement in a country where there is a lot of superstition all around, and but this guy immediately said that black magic or tantra works, and he is an expert of that,
2: mm, mm-hmm.
1: and he could kill anybody with this magic. I was a bit shocked because this was a live show going on <laughs> yeah. and one of the most popular television channels in Hindi language and you know, India is, India has a huge population and perhaps the, the number of people who would be watching such a program would be something like 500,000 or something like that in, in, in yeah. a normal situation. I felt uh, this has to be responded to but I said you cannot do that, you cannot kill anybody with magic, you cannot kill an animal anyway for example, a human being you may be able to kill if he believes in you. And if he's mm. terribly afraid, there can be a psychosomatic influence.
0: We're talking about a nocebo effect, uh, kind of the opposite of placebo. Uh, yeah.
1: You you can be afraid and you can have get a heart attack. But if you don't believe, nothing happens and it does not work and it's absurd. And I, I used very hard words to denounce him mm-hmm. because I thought, I mean, this is very dangerous going this wrong message to the people. So I wanted to give a strong position I said, this is absurd. It doesn't work. And he said, it will work. If you want, I can even kill you. Oh, he offered to kill you. How kind. (laughs) Uh, But uh, yeah, but uh, I would not do it because the laws don't permit it. Uh, That's something like. Oh, clever. Okay, okay. yep. I said, come on. Now I I decided to provoke him to the extent that he would go (laughs) to uh, really try to kill me. I said, you cannot kill me. And uh, the magic is absolutely baseless. Whatever magical words you want to chant, you can do it upon me. And I challenge you publicly right here. If you want to kill me, I give absolute permission in public that, I mean, it's with my permission. Yeah. You can do it. And you can chant any mantra, give a special time. I mean, anyway, I will die sometime in my life. Mm-hmm. And you cannot say it an open-ended thing. Make a specific time, 30 minutes or one hour or something like that. I would stand in front of you, do your mantra, magic or whatever it is. Kill me right now. Otherwise, I would publicly declare on this television that you are a fraudster. Wow.
0: Strong words. Okay. Yeah,
1: you, you are a fraudster or you have to show the whole people here who are watching this program that you were right by killing me. So he has to the, accept. The, the anger was puzzled. He contacted immediately the, his uh, bosses in the television. Can we go with the show like this? <laughs> they they found the, the viewership is climbing up. We call it TRP. It's getting viewers. So let's do it. <laughs> A lot of viewers, naturally. I mean, I mean, in 5-10 uh, minutes, I mean, <laughs> I repeatedly challenged and challenged and really provoked. I'm very good at provoking people sometimes. <laughs> and uh, by the time the channel okayed to go with the program, the anchor said, well, you can try. You get uh, 30 minutes. You can do all magic without touching him. Okay. I said, yes, fine. You can start it. I mean, it became the highest ever viewed program in Indian television's history. Really? This was yeah. in 2008, right? Yeah, this was in 2008, March, I think. Then he chanted, started chanting mantra for some time. And to make the show interesting, I decided to mock at him and <laughs> make use my body language to, yeah, to, I mean to ridicule the whole thing. He makes way great gust chase, and I just laugh. I, I highly
0: mean, recommend everybody look this up on YouTube. I remember watching <laughs> this clip and going, "I, I love this
1: guy. This is amazing." It went on for some time, and uh, after thirty minutes, nothing happened. I just laugh and laugh and make jokes about him, and I mean mock at him and then he asked more time 30 more minutes.
0: Now he was I remember you were wearing like a brown suit jacket and he was wearing white robes with his shoulder exposed Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and uh, was he speaking in Sanskrit?
1: The mantras that he Mm -hmm. was using that was Sanskrit.
0: Did you kind of understand what he was saying or
1: did that matter? Yes, yes. I understand Sanskrit. I studied Sanskrit therefore Mm -hmm. I understand. The idea is there are magical words or one calls murtunjay's Mantra there is a kind of that's a kind of a special chanting, which is believed that which is going to get you out of death. Mm. So if you use these magical words in wrong connotation with the mistakes, that would give death to the person. That's okay. a common belief. So that's what he was doing. He used this same winning over death chanting, but with mistakes, Okay. which means I should die. Yes. And the gods will be angry and I should die. Yeah, that's what first he tried. <laughs> so I made jokes and jokes. After 30 minutes, he started putting his hands over my forehead. And, and you he said, whoa, whoa so there,
0: over. that we didn't agree to that.
1: Yeah, I, I tried to push him away because it was so heavy. He was pressing my skull, I mean, so heavily. I mean, I thought I would fall down because of the pressure on me. So yeah. I pushed him away. I said, no body touching. You can do whatever you want, chant a mantra or do any kind of magic, but uh, without uh, pushing and pulling me down. Even if he pulls me down, there'll be some people who would claim that I've fallen down or died or fainted right. at least.
0: Right. Or what if he
1: used poison or, you know, did some other kind of... Yeah, but this use... was, this was but unexpected. He could not plan anything. Okay. Absolutely unexpected. But after some after this, in the second part unit, he said, bring a knife. Uh-oh. So his assistants uh, bring some knife, <laughs> a knife in a plate. So I'm trying to make it in the whole thing in a humorous tone. Mm-hmm. And I didn't lose my cool. I said, we spoke about uh, a magic killing on me, not a conventional killing with knife. Come <laughs> yeah. On, <that's... laughs> yeah, anyone and, can do that. So th- he brings the knife, the idea was to scare me. Perhaps he, he sure. thought I would be afraid. So he started moving the knife around my neck and eyes and all these techniques he tried. But I was very confident, mainly because the program was life going. And if he does anything wrong, I would be immediately taken to a hospital and I would have a chance. But I have to use this moment to expose not only him, but this fear that is all around India, the magic would kill people. This is a very, very strong Mm. feeling in many, many people. That's one of the key powers of these guys. And you're
0: directly challenging it.
1: Yeah. And this is an opportunity. They made a countdown and he was a little puzzled. The, The anchor asked him, what happened? Why nothing is happening to him? He said, he's a person who has a lot of magical power and some gods are protecting him. Therefore, my magic is not working. On
0: him. <laughs> yeah. Who are these gods protecting the atheist? Yeah,
1: I said that. Come on, I don't believe in these, <laughs> these gods. <laughs> and uh, so then that was the most interesting moment, I think. I mean, then he said, but mm. uh, there, there is an ultimate death death magic oh that needs uh, i mean three people chanting mantras and that should be in an open air in darkness and mm. then he will die in three minutes
0: okay so he said i was using some magic here but it didn't quite work but let's bring out the real heavy magic
1: yeah this was you know the life surviving magic with the negative mistakes in it which he thought would work on me Mm-hmm. Maybe I don't know whether he believed in it. I, I think he perhaps believed in it. Otherwise, he would not try it because mm-hmm. his career is going with this. Then he decided to claim that this was not the thing, but a real magic. Well, that's not possible now. It should be at le- after 11 o'clock in the night only it's possible. And it okay. should be in the open air and there should be fire and preferably a funeral place or burial place. Indians Burn their body.
0: My read of this is that he's hoping these conditions he's setting are going to sound so difficult that everyone will just give up and believe he still has powers. But that's not good enough.
1: Then I immediately said, Yes, I accept that challenge. And it should be on a Friday evening. That was a Friday, I think. I said, Today evening, I'm ready. If you want (laughs) to kill me, you can try again.
0: But already the magic is getting less powerful that it requires so many very specific things. It's got to be after 11. It's got to be on a Friday. you got to have three people chanting mantras.
1: It should have been easier to bring a gun and shoot me. I mean, I mean, yeah. this is very complicated to kill a person. All, already, to... <laughs>
0: already you're demonstrating this is something a politician need not be afraid of.
1: Then, you know, the channel decided to organize this program that, <laughs> that night.
0: That <laughs> night? Oh, yeah, I thought you had to wait a long time for the No, no, part. the
1: same night. Amazing. So during the program, I mean, if you see, I mean, I was a bit tired because I, I didn't have an evening tea. The program began very fast. <laughs> and normally I can ask for during a break to have a glass of tea or I mean, a coffee or something like that. But here I was careful that I didn't want to take even a glass of water because if some toxic material is inside, right. it, it can be going against me. Therefore, I refused to take any. So I was uh, actually very thirsty. So I, I just got uh, a coffee and gone home. And that night at 11 o'clock, the new program is coming. So a lot of people telephone me, don't go into this program, he can use a lot of uh, not magic, but other things to kill you. For example, he can bring some chloroform and put it in front of your nose. And that would simply knock you down.
0: Maybe not kill you, but he would get the desired effect of you collapse. Yeah,
1: I collapse. And that would be enough for many people to feel that his uh, magic is working. Hmm. In a heavier dose, chloroform even can kill you. Oh, wow. So I quickly studied what are the possibilities that they could do. If they could put some poison on my skin, no, it doesn't work. Because skin is having only reverse osmosis. Mm. Unless I don't have a cut on my skin, no poison will go inside.
0: Okay. But these are the things you're thinking of. Like, what are the real ways he could very secretly kill me?
1: Yeah. So then I was told there can be phosphorus-based poisons. If you put on it, there'll be burning and that can go inside your skin. So Mm. don't allow him to touch you now. The first program, yes, it was easy. The second program, it can be dangerous. Mm. Or I was thinking about, for example, using powerful sound waves, which are not visible to me to knock me down, which can be also used. Mm. The position would be very important. I thought I mean, a lot of people would be helping him because this is a big show to end a rationalist who were challenging all their beliefs. So I was ready and I mean, everything was ready and I reached at at 11 o'clock. And this was in an open ground with fire and everything was made in front of me. And he brought Mm -hmm. a lot of other tantrics and they all started chanting mantras.
0: Everything he said he needed, he he had it.
1: He got fire and and we were both sitting, but I I changed the positions because I thought of any unexpected technical things that he should use. I mean, Mm -hmm. okay. Then also I took a toxic expert with me because if I poisoned, he should be able to give antidotes to me. I mean, that was the...
0: i'm impressed with how much you were able to do from the evening news show between that and the (laughs) night time
1: i wanted to be sure that they don't use any any other ways to get me down so this was a a live show 11 o'clock to 12 o'clock and the announcement was as follows in this one hour there'll be nine minutes which will be crucial for me which he would decide in his mind Mm. and the first three minutes i would lose my consciousness okay it's not reversible Next three minutes, I start get pain. Okay. The ultimate pain a human being can ever get. Not reversible. It will continue all my life. And even at that moment, I can withdraw from the scene. But if I still continue, then the death begins. The death process takes three minutes only. I will collapse and die.
0: Okay, he laid out the terms. How did it go? Did he kill you?
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's something that's the third part of this. I mean, I mean, this is all on the internet in yeah. the great the tantra challenge. And he they chant mantras. It's very I mean, very good yeah. sounding music. I mean, I, I should say. And then he brought a little wheat dough. And made a small image of me. I mean, it's made a doll out of me then he took a a knife and stabbed on it so that my internal organs are damaging and he put some color in that some red color coming. He said, I'm bleeding inside. One could simply die out of fear and he would put a lot of mustard in the fire and it's fire and smoke and all this Mm. crazy song went on for one hour and three experts in the studio discussing how fear can kill a person or how magic can kill a Mm. person. Mm-hmm. including some astrologers and all and and the countdown a clock is going down
0: now the the little effigy he made of you the doll did it look at yeah. all like you no no come on it's, <laughs> it's just a little <laughs>
1: dough doll. I mean, well, yeah what is it made uh, out of Wheat dough dough yeah dough okay. yeah and he just made a small head and i mean two legs and two arms and the body and then he takes a knife and cut it open okay. then he smashed the head and then blood comes of it's red color perhaps he brought it and some Color comes out of it. It Dram- looks dramatic, dramatic, dramatic. I mean, yeah. then the sound and you know, he put some chemicals in the in the uh, in the fire. It gives some uh, different colors of uh, flame, blue flame, and all started coming. And it's 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 a highly dramatic. Yeah, you're getting and, a good show. Music, visuals. <laughs> yeah, the television channel. I mean, they have been very efficiently handling it. They made advertisements every ten minutes hmm. from the first show that will the rationalists survey the great magician or yeah. tantric? And, and they announce breaking news, the rationalists die this night or not. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I'd be watching for sure. <laughs> yeah, I think, I mean, it, it has been watched so widely. I mean, so widely. I mean, and then yeah. after the 60th minute, the clock bells and I clap and say that now I would like to make a statement publicly and two minutes I say that this is absurd. Never be afraid of a tantric. These are all our fraudsters. I made it all very strongly. Wow. There were a lot of journalists. Some of them tried to look at this uh, tantric. He was now sitting in some corner, completely shocked and tired. Hmm. And somebody asked him, what happened? Why? Why? Yeah, did work have with more him. excuses. He has a magic shield around him. It doesn't work with him. But it will all bro- be broken in three days. <laughs> oh, okay. And did you die in three days? <laughs> then, the, the <laughs> on the third day, somebody again asked. He now gave 21 days he would die.
0: Okay. <laughs> did you die in 21 days? <laughs> then,
1: then, then it went to three months.
0: Wow. That's what we call uh, shifting the goalpost.
1: <laughs> yes. Someday I would anyway die. But mm-hmm. that is not because of this magic, and I was very careful, yeah, not even go for a good drive on those days because I, I mean, nothing should happen. I mean, even by mistake. I mean, I was careful enough mm-hmm. that uh, nobody should try some other means to kill me and claim it on the magic.
0: Didn't want to give him the credit just in case you met your end. And that
1: was in, in interesting. This guy. Mm-hmm his career was over
0: that's what i wanted to know what happened to him yeah. okay he
1: was he was very very popular on indian television those days as the most powerful tantric of india mm. he was regular on indian televisions defending all tantra and magic and witchcraft and hindu faith system and all these kind of things but and
0: your challenge took that away
1: from him i think nobody wanted to see him anymore i mean no no clients would go to him his career was over Later I heard that he has gone to uh, South Africa and I've seen a lot of videos of him in South Africa.
0: Doing the same old thing?
1: Same old thing amongst the Indians there.
0: Famous American skeptic James Randi would call these kinds of figures unsinkable rubber ducks. (laughs) Like with Peter Popoff, he famously exposed this faith healer who was using a hidden microphone and years later he's now selling miracle water and still doing faith healings. They always find a way to come back. They always find excuses for why their powers didn't work. One of the other things that I do is I'm involved with the Center for Inquiry Investigations Group, and we test people for claims of the paranormal. And the story is reminding me, less dramatically, but it's reminding me of a man who said he could create a vortex that would bend space and time. And we invited him from Montana to come create a vortex in Los Angeles. And it didn't work. We had a good testing protocol that he agreed to. And afterwards, he said that we were all powerful mages who had prevented his vortex from forming. So we're all very powerful, I guess. (laughs) Uh, There's another great demonstration that I'm aware of that you were involved with, and that had to do with a different religious tradition. It was a a Catholic church in Mumbai that had a a statue of Jesus that was weeping. Was that the story?
1: Yeah, that that has uh, had a serious impact on my rest of life, I mean yes to, that was that was in 2012 okay there was, there was a claim on it from a catholic church in mumbai that the jesus statue there is weeping normally they, they claim about madonna or mary's but here, this the claim was Jesus weeping.
0: Yeah, I've heard of other statues weeping, but you're right. Usually, you hear about Mary. Yeah,
1: this was in Mumbai. I, I lived in Delhi at that time, and uh, the televisions have been making programs, and as usual, they come to me, and uh, there were people there on the on the on the Mumbai front, and I was sitting in a studio in uh, in Delhi, mm. and I was asked to explain this miracle. I said I cannot explain things, and I'm not a magician who can explain everything. Mm-hmm. I have to see the things. I have to investigate still, I may not find the solution. Then I would say that I don't understand. Only when I know it, I can speak about it. But there can be any lot of possibilities, right? Probably there is a somebody has manipulated something on the statue, there can be a hole at the head of it, maybe water is trapped and it's coming through the eyes. I mean, Mm -hmm. there are many possibilities. If they permit me, I can go there and try to find a solution because I would not go there and see the whole thing with faith, but with critical mind. Mm -hmm. I'm an investigator on these of claims. So I may find something, but I may not also, but they should give me a permission. Otherwise, I don't want to enter into somebody's premises and I mean, it's a church. But I said that no statue, you know, humans can cry, they can have saliva, they can urinate, they can perspire, but a statue would not do anything of this. Because (laughs) a statue is a statue. You ask a school child and he would say it. Only faith will make you that stupid to believe that without tear glands, a statue would simply release, I mean, tears, I mean, they felt it seriously offending because many people would not speak about Christianity in India, Mm -hmm. because they are considered to be a minority, having a lot of schools and medical institutions. In India, there are only 2% Christians.
0: So yeah, very much the minority.
1: It's a minority if you consider the whole country of 1.4 billion people. And most people are Hindu. Yeah, majority are Hindus. And then Muslim. Then Muslim. Mm-hmm. And I think the third is uh, Christianity. But okay. But if you take the number of Christians in India, India has the second largest Christian population in Asia. Oh, wow. First is Philippines. And second is India. It's concentrated in certain places, in Goa, in Kerala, in Mumbai, there are concentrated pockets. And generally consider it as a small minority because you compare it with a huge population of 1.4 billion. Mm -hmm. There are large areas where there are no Christians. Sure, But if you take the kind of beating power of the church, it's much more effective than many of the Hindu groups. Because the Hindus are divided into several castes. They have separate interests. Now there is a political Hindu emerging in India, but otherwise they all are divided into thousands of different castes and they have separate entities. Here there is an organized church which is very powerful. And uh, one of the, there are three hmm. dioceses in India. The hero Malabar diocese is uh, richer than the richest corporate in India.
0: Now I'm, I'm curious because that is very interesting about the Hindu population being subdivided. And you're Saying that the Christian community, though relatively small, is still numerically quite large and they speak with a more unified voice. Is that mostly from the Catholic Church or are there many varieties of Christianity?
1: There are many varieties of Christians. I mean, we have uh, Catholics, mm-hmm. the, the Latin speaking Catholics. Latin means for prayer they use Latin language.
0: Oh, the pre Vatican II Catholics.
1: Yeah. And another set of uh, Christians, I mean, before Vasco da Gama's arrival in India, they were using Syriac language.
0: Mm. Oh, okay. Older tradition. The
1: older tradition. Then there is an Orthodox church. Mm-hmm. Then uh, small groups of Protestant, very small groups of Protestant groups, especially the Anglican tradition, okay. which is one of the yeah, South, South Indian Church and North Indian Church. That is uh, coming from the British times, the Anglican tradition. That makes sense. It's very small groups like the Pentecostals or the brethren mm-hmm. or the Jehovah's Witnesses and all these people are there. But the major group, the most powerful economically are the Catholics. And this was a Catholic church. And one of the most powerful centers is Mumbai. So I, I would always try to speak about all religions because I, I'm not a critic of one religion, but anything absurd, I would like to put light on that and I would like to mm-hmm. apply my critical mind on that. Most of the people in India try to speak about Hinduism only, but I, I, my approach is very different. I think I don't want to give any special exclusion to any community. I mean, Islam, many people were afraid to speak about Islam, but I have a publishing company in India which published a book on Quran critical study of Quran as back as in 1980. Oh, wow. Okay. So uh, we, 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 we are very open about our approach. So you're an, an equal critic of all ideas. Yeah, critical reasoning should be applied on anything that comes around us, but not on not only on faith, but also other things like homeopathy and all other oh. things we try to address. I mean, right? So it's a it's, it's a right. broader movement. I mean, which uh, addresses all kinds of absurdities in the society, and I mean, we don't want to be afraid of any points of power mm-hmm. just because they have political support or economic support or anything. Reasoning is more powerful, and that should be applied everywhere. is the approach that.
0: Sounds like a good approach. So, in this case, the Catholic Church, they did allow you or even invite you to come and investigate. That makes me think that they weren't purposely perpetrating a fraud because I would think that if they knew the mechanism of these tears, that they would not want you to look at it. But they did want you to. Yeah,
1: I I think so. Originally, I thought that probably this could be uh, uh, some tricks behind it. But when they really invited me Mm -hmm. to come and investigate, They thought they would win me. That was my first thought. I mean, okay. I mean, that's an open approach. I would welcome that. I mean, come on. I have no problem. I mean, going anywhere.
0: If it turns out to be real, then yeah. Why not believe in it?
1: It turned out to be something different than I thought. When I reached there, at 10 o'clock, along with the French, we were not allowed to go there till four o'clock. Why why is that? The police is protecting the whole area. And every day, there are five or six sessions of prayer going on with 300 people each. And four o'clock, they will permit me to come over there.
0: So once they've cleared out the crowds a little bit.
1: Yeah, that's what I was thinking. But I would go there, but I would not go alone. I would go with the television crew. Very very (laughs) smart
0: idea. This is reminding me a little bit in my wife's hometown, Watsonville, California. There was a tree by Pinto Lake that had a vision of the Virgin Mary who showed up, you know, just sort of an outline of her. And I came to visit the site and I realized to my sadness that it was a year after it had been cut down. But still, while I was there, about six different families came to lay flowers where the tree used to be. So uh, in the United States, this kind of thing happens as well. So okay, so it's after four o'clock and you show up with a TV crew.
1: When I reached there, there were some 300 people in front of the statue. They were all praying. Mm -hmm. And the priest was reading something from the Bible. And I mean, in five, 10 minutes, the prayer is over. And then Somebody brings in a big vessel, some water collected from the statue and giving people some water in their palm. Okay, I also got some, but I didn't take it in my hand. I asked my friend who was with me, who is an engineer. I thought there could be some structural problems. A civil engineer should be able to help me with that. And that's why a civil engineer was with me. Okay. So we took some of this water.
0: You, you've got me curious here. If they're passing out some of this water for people to drink, how much of a drip is this? Is this drip? drip or is it really fast it drip 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 drip. it okay. keeps on like that okay, okay. then they
1: they, they keep a bottles down there it's collected and the bottles are changed mm. then they mix mm. this water into some other water and i mean a quantity of water and give to people and what all claims the people with cancer were cured and people were they could not walk properly were walking and the blind people have opened their eyes I mean, a lot of claims a oh, person who was amazing. very sick got up and the first person who got cured was a hindu hmm. a lot, lot 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 of stories all around sure. ideally for a great pilgrimage and they're coming up and uh, i've also got an information that they have sent an application to vatican to get a miracle status.
0: Oh, like lords or some other yeah. holy site. So if
1: there are so many miracle claims in many churches, but normally the Vatican has to approve it. Once right. you get the stamp of approval, then the you you can make a pilgrimage center there. Okay. So that's a, a lot yeah. of income. That was yes. the plan. So they have already applied for miracle status and the bishop is involved this is all i heard earlier mm-hmm. so i waited there till the prayer is over and this, this water was giving and my friend has given a small bowl and they poured some water in the bowl mm-hmm. so that's a sample we collected immediately that was sent for chemical analysis okay that, that was one site and that that takes a while
0: right you don't get your chemical analysis no no
1: i di- I, di- I didn't get it at that time i got okay. it 3 days later okay then i was allowed to investigate the whole thing the crowd was waiting there they all were waiting on the chairs. I said, like, I mean, shall I wait for some more time? No, you can do it. Then the priest comes to me with me and he takes a picas, you know what, uh, something to dig the lunch. Oh, like a shovel? Yeah, but like a shovel. Yeah. He gives this to me and say that, why don't you just dig up under this thing oh, so that he, there is no he's water? Hel-
0: he's helping with the investigation.
1: Yeah, so that I can turn the statue down. Okay. So I immediately understood what's the intention. The moment I do something to the statue, Mm -hmm. they would say that I tried to damage a statue
0: oh so you saw this as kind of a trap uh, yeah
1: that's a, that's a crime of hatred or a crime of some violence so oh. attack on a religious community or something like that
0: oh you're smart i would have started digging
1: <laughs> yeah. i saw uh, looked around and i saw three four cameramen were waiting for photographing then i said no, no 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 i don't want to do that then immediately as if they were already with the whole thing that's why they wanted time till four o'clock so Another priest comes with a small vessel with a small hammer in it. Okay. Why don't you smash it and see if there is any water trapped in it? We don't mind. We can reconstruct it. But we want to prove
0: it. Okay. Sounds like another trap
1: yeah imagine for a minute if I take the hammer in my hand and they get a picture of
0: you smashing the statue yeah
1: and somebody can you know later smash the whole thing but there's a picture of me with the hammer Mm -hmm. I some of my, my I was very very careful and I said no absolutely no and I said loudly to the people that they wanted me to dig down. Mm-hmm. I said no. Now they want me to use a hammer to <laughs> I mean break it. But my investigation goes in a different way. Yeah. I mean so that others also know what is going on. And the television was recording
0: it. Yeah, I mean my first concern would be where is this water coming from? And usually water, you know, <laughs> follows gravity or capillary action. I would be trying to like trace the source of the water.
1: Yeah. Meantime I, I got a feeling that this was not with an open mind to invite me. Okay. To investigate, but this—they were making a trap to me. Mm-hmm. Somehow they wanted to end my, you know, investigation patterns, and they wanted to damage me. So I—I I, I, I try to understand that. I mean, of course, I've been doing a lot of things the church would not like. Mm-hmm. I mean, earlier also I have uh, made some. Positions which made them, you know, which I'll talk later about Mm -hmm. Mother Teresa and all this kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah, I want to hear about that. So I went inside the premises and went behind the statue and the statue is close to a, a wall. I went behind there and I found one small thing which is quite strange, I thought. A kind of algae was growing on the wall there. It was an old wall. The church was not very rich. Okay. One of the reasons why they wanted to go for a pilgrimage status was they wanted to raise new money.
0: To fix problems with the architecture like this one.
1: It needed some maintenance. The walls were not done properly. and I mean, a lot of things were to be done.
0: So there's algae growing, which tells me the algae is getting some nutrients.
1: Yeah, algae is getting some nutrients, some water and, all other, and that's why it's growing on the wall. Mm. So the algae is uh, very active at uh, one point and then it grows through the wall and at one point it ends there and Mm -hmm. where it ends is where the statue is. So why algae grows there? There should be water presence in the wall. Mm -hmm. That was my first thought. I followed the line of the algae and uh, in five meters I found it goes down to one point and there was a drainage there which is a kind of open drainage covered with stones okay and cemented and it ends to one corner and I thought that's the place yeah I mean I didn't have even a glass but I, I thought this is the moment I thought I should expose and I just opened the stone
0: yeah hey camera crew come over here take a look at yeah. this
1: yeah photographs and cameras were all there and I, I take it out and water just came out it was mm. dirty water from the toilet
0: Oh no, from the toilet. Okay, so toilet water had been seeping out... And it was growing algae along the wall where it terminated by the statue and the water made its way to the statue and people were drinking toilet water filtered through the statue. Exactly. Oh, no. The
1: the (laughs) toilet water was going through a pipe and then through this line and that would be connected to the main sewage line. Mm -hmm. But there was a blockage. Because of the blockage, there was a lot of pressure of water. So when there was a pressure of water, water has to go somewhere. It climbed through the pores on the wall, capillary action, it goes it climbed up other ways also, mm-hmm. and then went everywhere possible. Then it found the hooks of the statue on and then there yeah. is possibility and it, it fell down there then it climbed on the cement base and again this capillary action takes water mm-hmm. up it got a release point mm-hmm. apparently somewhere on the statue so this was the first information i got i went out immediately
0: were they immediately convinced or did you have to add dye to the water i i had to wash my hand first sure <laughs> toilet water yeah
1: then i went out and tried to touch the statue this time. So then I touched a bow. There are five nails on a Jesus statue, on two hands, on the chest, and two legs. Nails on the chest? The, the mark of the... The spear? Yeah, okay. mark, of, mark of the spear. There's a The m- spear of m- destiny. M- yeah. 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 Uh, there are five holy wounds. Right, yes. Uh, as they say it. Yeah. Stigmata. Yeah. The, on, on the leg, they have made a nail. So above the leg, there is no wetness. But mm. under the leg there is wetness, which means water was coming through this hole on the lake and mm. draining through the feet. Okay. So one could, if they believe that this was the source of it, they could only imagine that Jesus was crying. Mm-hmm. Apparently, they did not understand this. Mm-hmm. But all the same, they thought, they could trap me with something, mm-hmm. but uh, they, they needed a plumber, actually, to stop the whole thing. <laughs>
0: sure. <laughs> so, so how did the, the priest respond to
1: this? They, I didn't say anything at that moment. I took photographs and photographs, and others were also taking photographs. The team with me, they were all taking photographs. And the cameras, were television cameras were recording everything. But I understood what was happening. Mm. But I didn't want to tell them publicly there, because then I can be attacked. I mean, I know the whole mood was not very good. So when I came out, the priest immediately tells me, you have to explain us publicly here, what you found. Mm -hmm. To the crowd, you have to explain, you should not go out and say something else. We want to hear what's your finding. Okay. So then I looked around, I mean, it was a very dangerous situation. I found that three, four people back there, whom I later find one of the people who complained against me. With the photographs, I can identify them. They were all standing with chairs in their hands.
0: These were chairs that they had maybe to sit on while they were viewing the statue. But yeah, now they're, yeah, they're holding likes, them
1: like weapons. Yeah, as weapons to attack me. Okay. So any anything that I would say could provoke, or they could find something to claim that they are provoked. Mm-hmm. It's a very dangerous situation. I realize it's just, it's, high, it's a high drama. I mean, I came out. I said, "Come on, I cannot. I have to analyze the whole thing. And I have to understand the whole thing. And <laughs> later, I would come with the result." No, what is your primary observation? Say it publicly. Hmm. And if people believe it, they will accept it. Otherwise, they will handle you. Okay. Make the statement. So it's a threatening also, I, though I should say something that should satisfy them. I cannot make anything different. Otherwise, mm-hmm. they would attack me, what I cannot go. I s- looked at my car and it's uh, some, some meters away. I cannot reach the car. There are a small crowd around me. I said, okay. I, I thought of handling that situation. I asked all of you should sit on the chairs. I'll explain what I found. Mm-hmm. Nobody should stand. Everybody should sit. There's a picture <laughs> of that. You know, the priest sits with the folded hands. On the chair, and all of all the people are now sitting now. So that's the first thing I want: that got them all sit on some chairs. Okay. And then then I started speaking for some minutes. I didn't speak about this miracle, but I said that miracles claims are always not approved by Vatican. Mm -hmm. There is a process in the whole thing. So you have applied for a miracle status, but why Vatican would not approve every miracle claim? Because Mm -hmm. there can be wrong claims. There can be correct claims.
0: That's good that you want the Vatican to at least have some skepticism.
1: Yeah. Would you agree? That Vatican is right on this point. They agreed. They agreed. Some of, especially the elder women sitting there and all day old started nodding their heads. and mm-hmm. he said, come on. I'll tell you another example. In Northern India, there is a little water pond from there, fire is coming, coming eternally for a long time. And some years back when the Mughal rule was there, some emperors tried to stop it. No, it didn't work. It simply come. We didn't know what it was. And they call it a kind of goddess of fire spitting out from the water. Now we know that there are some natural gases, highly Ah. inflammable is getting released there. It's explained scientifically, Mm -hmm. still many people believe and people go there and pray. So why do people do that? Because some people want to believe something. So they would want something, some magic to happen. That That's not a miracle. Do you agree? Mm-hmm. Of course, they will all agree that it's not a miracle. Okay. So similar thing can happen to other faiths also. Then I spoke about a, a miracle of the seawater turning into sweet water in, in Mumbai. Another case which I've explained. Oh, okay. Because near a mosque, seawater turned very sweet. And uh, thousands of people went to collect because it's a miracle of Allah. And um, of course, I, I found at that time that it was a city drainage with the rainwater, I ah. mean, with the water currents coming there. I mean, that I was, was,
0: a... was going to say, if you found a way to take the salt out of seawater, that would be pretty uh, lucrative. Yeah.
1: But that was another great miracle that I exposed one year before that. And oh. I said I told okay. about that also.
0: OK, so you're giving them a little bit of history lesson, a little bit of context before you just dashed their hopes.
1: Yeah. And then I said, look at our India's constitution. I mean, there is a provision of fundamental duties of every Indian citizen, that Mm -hmm. is to promote scientific attitude, critical inquiry, and spirit of reform and Mm -hmm. humanism. That is part of our constitution. If anybody does that, that should be appreciated. Do you agree? <laughs> <laughs> Let's set our terms and get you to agree before
0: I tell yeah. you what I'm about so to say. So the priest says,
1: enough is enough, you can go.
0: Okay, so he dismisses you before you give your results.
1: Yeah, I didn't come to the, this miracle. I think next five seconds I <laughs> reached the car, entered the car, and the car has taken me away. <laughs> okay.
0: Okay, so uh, okay. did you wait then three days to get your chemical analysis? No, no. Uh,
1: that, that evening I got the primary analysis, mm. and uh, there was a television show in the evening. The, the, channel who came along with me, they made a program in the prime time. Mm -hmm. At uh, nine o'clock prime time, they made a television program about my investigation. They invited the church also to explain their position. Mm -hmm. So I got a big exposure with that program. I talked for first 10 minutes I explained with all the photographs and I explained publicly, this was actually toilet water. Mm. And this is how it happened. I got the primary analysis that the E. coli bacteria level is very, very high, which means confirms that it is toilet.
0: Oh, no. Did people get sick from the E. coli? There was diarrhea in the whole area. An outbreak of diarrhea.
1: Yeah. Okay. That also could explain the outbreak of diarrhea in the whole area. Mm -hmm. All what you have to do is, I don't think these people are to blame. They didn't understand it. Okay. They'd,
0: honest mistake.
1: Yeah, it could be an honest mistake. And they were, they did not behave very proper with me also. I don't even criticize that because they wanted to defend their faith. Let's come to reason now. Let's stop considering this as a miracle because it's not a miracle. It's toilet water coming with capillary action. And then I drawn a chart and everything and I'm shown on the television first 10 minutes. Then then next 30 minutes, they wanted to have a discussion on the television channel with the church representatives on one side and me on the other side, four or five people from the church. Hmm. We should sit on on a round table and talk. The moment I reached the room, the leader of the church almost jumped on me to attack me. He said, you have damaged our whole thing and this and that. And he shouted and I could not sit there. So they took me to another room and I would be on a window on the television, but I'm in a safe room <laughs> separately. <laughs> oh, they, they okay. him, yeah, miracle. I understood that I've made them very angry, though I was trying to be very friendly to them. I didn't mm. put, want to put the blame on them. But all the same, they were very, very angry. Okay. So they defended the
0: miracle. How did they express their anger? What was it? Just that you were unbelieving or debunking? You were an unbeliever? Like, how did they present their
1: anger? You you are an agent of uh, Satan and, I mean... Okay. And, uh, all all these kind of things. And how stupid you are saying, water will always go... Water goes down only. That's God's slow, Water will never climb up. This is absolutely stupid. So n- none
0: of them said, oh, what you said... May Make sense no. or we should investigate it, or thanks no. for pointing this out. Okay,
1: they, they said miracles would work and they defended the miracle and they refuted everything that I tried to explain in a very simple way. Okay, and, and they became so furious send him out of the room, we will handle him, we'll teach him how miracles work. And they were so furious and angry. And I mean, I could see there was one lady who's so angry, and saliva was coming from out of her mouth because of the furiousness. And no, oh. I felt really, really completely crazy moment. Then comes a telephone call to the studio from Mm -hmm. the bishop. Okay. You should stop the program because the Christians are not very happy with the whole thing. And I mean, we are very powerful in Mumbai. Your channel will not work here. Stop it immediately. Did they? The channel was courageous. They said, we cannot stop the program. But if you want to explain your position, you are Mm -hmm. welcome. You can join the program. Okay. So now the bishop joins. Wow. And the bishop turns the whole argument in a different way. He says that probably what you said was correct. Oh. i do not know but miracles do happen this could also be a miracle
0: i mean that's the reasonable way to respond to this i would think is the church is to say okay well thank you you investigated and figured that one out we still believe in
1: miracles but this one just happens to not be a miracle yeah but uh, i i didn't allow him to go like that i said miracle it can be seen in two different ways if you do not understand something and Mm. if you believe in magic you call it a miracle. If I do not understand anything, I would say I do not know. I don't I don't understand the whole thing. I would study. Mm-hmm. Let me study until I get a verifiable information, I would keep it open. So
0: you weren't gonna let him get away with just saying, Well, there no, are I I didn't miracles. I didn't allow
1: him to just go like that. Okay, then he said miracles happened said many times in history. And when you speak about science, you know, scientific evidence is the most important thing. I yeah. do, and you have to accept that. That's the point, you know, where I he got in a trap that he could not get out. I said, mm. the Catholic Church is insisting on miracles, mainly because for every saint, you need two miracles to happen. Right. When you declare one saint, it's not because of the good work, not because of their faith or anything, but two miracles. Yeah. So even for Mother Teresa, you didn't want to approve her work, which also is disputed. I don't go into that, but you wanted a miracle.
0: Right. Now I thought it was three miracles. Has the number changed or no, uh, two, it two? Two miracles. Okay. When someone is being proposed for canonization within the church, you need to have the miracle claim, some kind of healing or yeah. prayer that is answered. But then the church allows someone to come in as a devil's chaplain. Yeah. Yeah. Devil's advocate. Right. Yeah. Um, have you ever played the devil's advocate?
1: I think in Mother Teresa's case, uh, Christopher Hitchens wanted to do it. And...
0: That's right.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: She was, she was canonized. And I remember like one person saw a picture of her in their floorboards or something like that no uh, mother
1: uh, no mother teresa's case was very interesting i mean one lady had a picture of mother teresa she had a tumor okay she put the picture on the stomach and the tumor disappears
0: okay miracle one down
1: yeah <laughs> and and that that uh, with that miracle mother teresa with one miracle they could do it i mean because oh, ju- there was just
0: one miracle okay yeah
1: so there was an evidence that she had tumor And now there is evidence that she has no tumour. So that is after she claimed.
0: I heard later that her husband said that there were doctors involved and they should have gotten the credit.
1: Not only her husband. I mean, it was during the beatification of Mother Teresa, this claim was taken into up. And what I did was Mm. I got some information from some friends in Bengal. I've gone to Calcutta and uh, met the lady who... Claimed the miracle. Oh, okay. Monica Bessra was the name. That is that story I narrated in this story. Mm. I mean, that's why the reason was people are looking for miracles because you have ten thousand saints. Yeah. So that that is twenty thousand miracles <laughs> you have officially approved. Right. And people naturally would look for miracles. That is why they are looking for miracles. And if you don't have this belief, you would say, "I do not know. I don't understand." That's the way to see it. Mm -hmm. so and you have insulted mother Teresa. i said i didn't insult her at all i mean i mean reasoning is not insulting number one and with mother Teresa's case it was very simple i mean this lady had a surgical removal of the tumor yeah okay and she claimed it i mean she told me about that and she i asked all right she wasn't trying to hide that no because the church promised her a lot of money for this claim they promised her five acres of land and some big money and only a part of it was given And some middlemen uh, in between have taken away the money and she didn't get it. Okay. And she was furious. Okay. She made this claim of 400 pages of typed English material and signed it, though she did not know any single sentence in English. So someone was helping her? Of course, the the church (laughs) made the whole statement. I see. I see. Uh. (laughs) And uh, I I could not talk with her because, I mean, she didn't understand English. And I had an interpreter to talk with her. And Mm -hmm. I mean, I got the information about the doctor, the hospital and everything. I went to the hospital, talked to the doctor and got all the hospital information and I came publicly during the time of the beatification with this story. That was a big shame and that was also in uh, in many international media at that time, that the beatification was reported, and my story about how this miracle happened also was there in the media.
0: Did the Vatican eventually reject that miracle? Or no, 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 it? no, 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 it. Okay. Yes. What was the other miracle for Mother Teresa? Then?
1: I, I, I think the second one was somewhere in Latin America. Somewhere. I don't okay. know. This was the most famous thing. This Got was it. what I could encounter with. So mm. the, therefore, they were so angry. That's why they wanted to trap me. Yes. And make trouble for me and get me into that, oh, this guy is a crazy guy or something. You
0: like. were already a problem for them because you had uh, spoken up about this miracle, this other yeah. miracle. Okay, so what's very interesting about this exchange is that it resulted in legislation against you, that you were charged uh, with
1: a crime. Uh, on that night, it was very difficult. The bishop was very angry because mm-hmm. he said it's Catholic Church that promoted science. It's, was one statement that he made. I said, that would be a very strong statement that you would make. But mm. I don't have any witnesses on my side to prove what you said was wrong. But I could have two witnesses. Do you believe in exorcism? I asked him. Mm. Uh, he said, I, I don't believe in exorcism. I said, but your Pope believes. Because yeah. uh, John Paul had Re- recently had a session with the 200 please, who are believing in exorcism. And uh, okay, if you believe, what's the problem? He said, what's, what are you doing in exorcism? You are invoking the spirit of the dead people, right? If that's true, I would like you to invoke the spirit of two people. I don't believe in spirits, but you believe in it and perhaps you can invoke. These two people will vouch for me, hmm. Leonardo Bruno and Galileo Galilei. Okay. They would vouch whether, whether you promoted science or not. Two people that and, the,
0: uh, the church <laughs> persecuted.
1: Yeah. And the bishop first did not understand the joke. The cameramen were laughing. And uh, in a minute, bishop understood what I was speaking. And he was so furious, he exited the program. Okay. He went and uh, he sent ghouls all around. And the studio was covered by people with the lathis, big sticks.
0: So people were surrounding the TV studio waiting okay. for you with weapons.
1: Yeah. The channel had called me and said that, come on, you cannot go out now. We'll have dinner in my room. Okay. So then they located some of these people. And some cameramen came and said that these people were not coming from the church. They were brought in some vehicles. They are professional beating people in the Mumbai town.
0: This is a profession? You can hire a crowd of angry people?
1: Yeah, you, that, that happened in many parts in India. I mean, you, I mean, criminals can be hired sure. to attack people. Anywhere it happens in big cities, these were gangsters paid up by the church. They were all standing outside claiming that they were angry Catholics with big sticks to attack me.
0: Okay, but you don't believe that? You think that they were just people who were hired to come threaten you?
1: Yeah, they, they were hired. It was very clearly there was no Catholic coming to the church or
0: anything. Okay. Did you ever track down anyone who admitted they were paid? No, or?
1: I, I I, could not because if I go out, they will attack me. I would remain four hours there. Oh, in the yeah,
0: I would stay inside. Did, did they yeah. finally disperse and you were able to go home? No, no,
1: they, they remained there till something like two o'clock in the night. And oh, two no. o'clock, they opened a backstage. On the wall, they made an opening and oh. they could take out the car.
0: They cut a hole in the wall so they could yeah. sneak you to, to, out into a yes. car? Yet yeah. yet again, you escaped the scene in a getaway car. which is yeah. This almost reminds me of Jesus who constantly had to escape angry crowds. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> this time it was your turn.
1: I, I changed my flight time and uh, left for Delhi. Before dawn, I was in Delhi. Wow. Next day, I read reports in the newspapers that the angry Catholics, they were filing blasphemy cases against me. Mm. And in two three days all newspapers are full of blasphemy cases they filed something like 27 blasphemy cases against me in different police stations.
0: So they're essentially burying you with lawsuits and well criminal charges so criminal charges
1: blasphemy law in India is a very hard one okay you can arrest a person without an arrest warrant or a judicial interference. yeah this Keep is- him in prison for a long time up to 6 months or 3 months plus 3 months mainly to protect the person from the crowd okay this is an old british
0: law did you get any kind of police escort or were you threatened that they would take you in to custody
1: uh, no you know this kind of a case would be handled in maharashtra there are several states in india like the states yeah. in united states
0: yeah there are 28 states in india
1: yeah i was in delhi which is another state.
0: So they don't have jurisdiction over you there. But no, no. If, you, if you try to return to Mumbai, now you have legal arrest action me, but pending.
1: They can come to Mumbai, come to Delhi. And extradite but you? But it, it's a process. Okay. They have to get permission of a local court to arrest me. Okay. In Mumbai, they can arrest me without a court's interference, the police office can arrest me mm. and I need not be presented to a judge to a, a, any kind of judicial process. That's this law. This is non-bailable also. This is a law which is very rarely only used in India and they file several cases against me so that if I am somehow released in one case, there'll be another case waiting for me mm-hmm. and I mean you cannot fight such a case with 27 places and I came right. to know that at, at three places they have already registered the cases and I talked to the media in Delhi. I mean, this is what was happening and everything I I was regularly attending television programs and every television program I explained this story and publicly discussed the whole thing. So they did not really come. But in fact, Home Ministry in Delhi, the government of India, tried to help me a lot. Mm. Uh, they asked me to be safe. Because they have information that somebody has hired some kind of criminals to abduct me to Mumbai to get me arrested there. So therefore, I should be away from my home.
0: Because they're going to be looking for an opportunity to essentially kidnap you and take you to their jurisdiction where they can prosecute you.
1: Yeah. Okay. Two stories I heard. One was they would take me to a prison and with one night, they would bribe a co-prisoner to stab me to death. Hmm. Claim that this person would be in, an insane person.
0: I just find this interesting that you published a book uh, about Islam in 1980, and then you upset the tantric priest. But it's the Catholics who really put the pressure on you to ge- get away. Yeah,
1: quite unbelieving for me because I was, I was, I'm a very well-known person on Indian television. The whole people, I mean, in mm-hmm. India knows me, and I'm a representative of the scientific attitude. And I mean, I have uh, at least five persons. In the central cabinet were personally known yeah. to me at that time. I
0: mean, I'm, I'm curious at this time, were there other prominent voices like yours who are defending rationality, atheism, skepticism?
1: There are many people who are speaking for rationalism. And okay, so you're not but the, the way, only one. But the way I was advancing the idea on televisions in a very public okay. way was, uh, I mean, perhaps I was the only person to that extent. Okay.
0: Yeah, because I kind of think of you as sort of the James Randi of India, you know, that you were really the go-to person to have on screen. Or like, you know, we might have Neil deGrasse Tyson appear when someone has a science question in the U.S.
1: For, for example, from 1995 to 2012, when I was leaving India, I had something like 3,000 television programs. I mean, it's all all major, all major television channels, even wow. now. I would be giving interviews to many many television channels from here.
0: Here is Finland, so you are currently in. Is it Helsinki? I'm in Helsinki. Yeah, yeah.
1: I was advised to keep away from home, and then in the public forums, since some Catholic groups have started discussing openly how to handle me because they were somebody was telling that I may go to a court of law and uh, ask that all the cases should be combined into a single That's case reasonable. I can go and ask, ask for it mm-hmm. but if I reach a court I should not be allowed to enter the courtroom. before that a crowd should attack him and kill him wow so
0: they're openly calling for your death on a public forum public
1: discussion forums on the internet
0: they have been discussing I mean this. they're the ones I, who should be prosecuted for this these are death threats I,
1: I printed it and I've shown this on the press conferences I mean these are what they're discussing mm-hmm. and they want wanted to get a co prisoner to kill me and the killer who should be protected by the church. Again, that was in the internet, publicly discussed. Okay. Wow, okay. that's terrible. Th- then I get a telephone call from the police inspector that he has registered the case because he is in touch with the bishop and bishop wants you to say an apology. Mm. So I offer you a solution.
0: <laughs> you can make all of this go away if you just tell us you're sorry and that, yeah. you know what, it's so, okay for you to have miracles.
1: You should just go to the bishop, apologize, and everything will be over. Otherwise, this will take away your life. Mm. If not, you have to come to answer my questions. And if you don't come here, if you come here before apologizing to the bishop, you will be handled by me. Your both legs will be broken. Your hands will be broken. Oh, wow. And that will be done with my hands.
0: Explicit threats from this guy calling you. Yeah,
1: directly. And the call comes in the midnight on the phone. I saw the number and I verified that was from the... From the police station, station officer, police station. And this was his private phone. So I talked about this bishop in the press conference, talked to media. And even his name was published. Later when BBC wanted to uh, have, there was a radio interview with BBC. I named this police officer. Mm -hmm. BBC's representative at that time went to this police officer. He confirmed that he's.
0: Okay. But you wanted to make all this, let's do this in public where everybody can see.
1: Yeah, everything I made public, I thought I would be killed. Yeah. But I wanted it all to be public and known to people. Why this was happening? So at
0: this point, you're away from your home. Are you starting to think about having to gather your belongings and exit India? Are you planning to, Uh, no, stay. no, no, no.
1: I, I, I was not planning to exit India at that time. I was, uh, I moved to a friend's okay. home, and I communicated with very close people only. But I still attended television programs. I mean, every week I would still attend one or two television programs, and I speak about uh, this case yeah. also. This went on two months or three months. This was in March. By June first week, mm-hmm. I get the information that they, they have sent people to abduct you. I said, I'm very safe. No one knows where I'm staying. The officer said very simply, I mean, go to the balcony and look down. I said, "Uh, yes, I look down. You think that you are on the fourth floor and nobody can reach you.
0: So he's revealing that he knows where you are.
1: Yeah. He said, look down there. On that corner, there is an ice cream man. Oh, no. He's not an ice cream man. He's a policeman protecting you. Wow. Okay. (laughs) And look on the left side. There is a shoe repairer. Near that, there is a guy with a cycle rickshaw sitting there and he's not taking any any service of anybody. He's just watching the building that you have. We cannot protect you all the time like this. So you have to find a way because, I mean, something can happen. So I thought I was safe. Wow,
0: there's a whole espionage (laughs) game going on. (laughs)
1: Then I decided to move to the university where I studied. A lot of students support me. A lot of teachers are very close to me. And I mean, the Dean of Arts and Aesthetics is a person in front of me and only some close friends know where I am. Every morning they come and so that I could, there is just a a room without a toilet. I had to inform them and they would come and help me to go to the toilet and I would come back in the room. And I remained there for 10 days. The new scientist interview with me, I think the AFP interview also was done when I was in this stage. Okay. From here, I sneaked out and they took a friend's car and gave these interviews and came back. And I mean, you're still functioning as a media
0: personality, but in hiding. Yeah, from hiding, I was speaking about mm-hmm. this case. I'm assuming at some point
1: your cover was blown. July, I had a lecture tour pre planned in Poland. Mm. The, the local Polish rationalists were organizing a lecture tour of mm-hmm. me. I thought if I go to Poland for this lecture tour, I mean, the dust will settle down mm-hmm. by the time I come okay. back. That was what I thought. uh, So
0: kind of like the recent (laughs) coronavirus pandemic, we all thought we were going home for two weeks. Yeah. And then it ended up being a lot longer.
1: Yeah. The lecture tour would be in uh, July. I was yet to apply for a visa. Mm -hmm. I looked at my British visa. It has also expired. So I talked to the British High Commission. Mm -hmm. They said uh, it would take five to six days. So I talked to friends outside about the situation and three people immediately responded to me. One was Paul Kurtz. Oh, Paul Kurtz,
0: the founder of the Center for Inquiry and the Committee for Skeptical Inquiry.
1: Yeah, he he sent me a letter signed by Tom Fing Mm -hmm. that says that they're giving me a position in Center for Inquiry to give lectures for six months and offering me a salary and all so that that could be used to come to the United States. Fantastic! I talked to the United States Embassy. They said 15 days. for the visa. Okay. I had all these options. Then a producer of uh, BBC, Robert Eagle in London, wrote me that, come to my place and you can stay here as, as long as you want. He was an old French. Lots of open arms to welcome you. Yeah. yeah. The third person was Pekka Elo, the education counselor of Finland. Again, an old French. Mm-hmm. And he wrote uh, that uh, you should simply go to the Finnish embassy right away and put an application today itself. I am driving to the Foreign ministers office. Okay. It's a Friday, twelve o'clock, they close, it's eleven thirty. Run in, into the embassy. And say that I want a visa. The counter person said that my son's birthday is today afternoon and I have to go and I've taken a leave. Can you come on Monday? <laughs> no. Said, no, this is, this is not possible for Monday. <laughs> Three minutes before it was closing and I got my wow. visa. Wow.
0: Okay. So you have a Finnish visa.
1: <laughs> I call friends and somebody immediately sends me a ticket to Finland that comes on my phone already. I decided to fly the next day morning.
0: Here you are 10 years later living in Finland.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but the most interesting thing was I didn't inform anybody, including my children. I mean, of course, they were growing up and at that time. Oh,
0: how many children do you have?
1: I, I have two children. I have two children. They are, they are adults and they're working in New Delhi. And uh, before the flight took off, I informed my daughter. Then I called James Randy. He was campaigning so vehemently for me. He wrote at least a dozen articles in support of yeah. me. Yeah. And I informed him. That I'm now safe. I'm leaving for Finland for some days. I just wanted to thank him for what all he was mm-hmm. doing. And uh, and the next day, the local, I mean, the Finnish national television interviews me here in Finland mm-hmm. about the whole case, and I was welcome here. And uh, so I'm in Finland.
0: Okay, so you've you've been in Finland now for a decade. How are you able to still stay connected with India? Internet times.
1: I. That's something I should thank for technology. Yes. I mean, I have uh, after one year, I would be the president of the Indian Rationalist. Association from 2005. So, one year after I left Mm -hmm. India, I was not sure when I would be able to go back. Therefore, I resigned its presidentship. But the organization decided they asked me to continue as the president Mm -hmm. and with a working president running the show there. So, I formally am still presiding over the Indian Rationalist Association. Okay, you're
0: able to do that from afar.
1: I'm in touch with all my colleagues in India. All activities are going on very Mm, well. In all Indian states, the activities are going on. I have uh, regular meetings on Zoom and all different forums with the people. I mean, every week I'm talking to something like 10,000, 15,000 people over the internet. Here
0: we are talking uh, 10 hours apart in time zones. Thank goodness for technology. Now, you did try or you you were trying to broker a deal to return to India at one point when there was a death in the family, right?
1: Yeah. uh, In in fact, uh, I didn't want to remain in Finland originally. I wanted to, you know, as I told you, I wanted to go back after some time. And uh, when I made this pollen lecture was going on, mm-hmm. one of the leaders of the Catholic Church, John Dayal, who was leader of the laity organization of the Church, Indian Catholic Association's president. He actually said the bishops positions were wrong. Mm. He was a Catholic, but stood on my side and uh, argued with the bishop. He wrote me first. I said, come on, I mean, you can write to me mm-hmm. because we had, we knew each other on television discussions. Okay. He came out with the writing with a letter to me and it said, the bishops are wrong. And I believe in miracles, you believe in physics, but we should coexist. Okay, that's is nice. what he wrote. Okay, I said, that's a fair position. But telling me is easy. Tell your bishops or make it public. Yeah,
0: the the lawsuits against you or the proceedings against you, are those still active? If you came to India now, would they try to arrest you? I don't think so.
1: I don't think so because uh, this is still, I mean, technically it's all still in Mumbai, Mm -hmm. but uh, if I don't go to Mumbai and with the case known all around India now, also it has, time has lapsed also. But uh, the security issues are very, very serious. That's the whole problem Okay,
0: just independent actors who might take up arms against you.
1: Yeah. in, In 2014, I'll come to the question that you asked about the families before going that I first I first extended my return ticket to mm-hmm. three times or four times I extended my t- return ticket I came with a return ticket I mean I didn't like the one one way one, one ticket
0: yeah 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 thinking you would eventually things would die down and you could go back home Get your stuff. Yeah,
1: and 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 one of my colleagues in Mumbai, his name is was I would say Narendra dabolkar He leads a big rationalist organization at that time, and he tells me on the telephone, "Look, Sanal, I mean, we have a big group here. You come to Mumbai, we make a human wall around you. Mm-hmm. Several hundreds of people will protect you physically. Nobody can touch mm-hmm. you. And we go to court and we address it. Okay. And you will be safe in our hands. I started thinking about it. Yes, come on, I do it." That was one year after that. We talked and uh, I said, yes, primary discussions were on and I was making a plan accordingly. Four days later, I read in the news that he was shot dead point blank.
0: Oh, no. Because of his association with you, you think? No,
1: no, no, Not no, related. no. Be- because of his campaign for an anti-superstition. Okay. Bill. Some uh, Hindu groups, one organization, namely Sanatan and Sansta, declared him as an enemy they made a hit list of people yeah i mean my name is also there i mean so I mean,
0: this this did not give you confidence to go back
1: yeah so then i postponed my ticket again and uh, some months later another famous rationalist uh, who was a vice chancellor of a university in Karnataka state he was shot dead point blank Oh, no and, and the third person namely pansare another famous uh, writer was shot dead I mean, some years later, we have four major rationalists who are leading the movement in a very higher position. And they're being... Closely associated
0: Systematically with the, killed. Systematically killed, four people. Oh, that's horrible. Yeah, you don't want to join that list.
1: No, I, I don't want to join that list because rather I, I don't enjoy the idea of becoming a martyr because I... I mean, if it happens, well, well, and fine, but I would not like to encourage the yeah. situation. I would rather remain and fight... Mm-hmm. So therefore, I decided to postpone. I don't say that I would not go to India. I would certainly go to India, but uh, I would wait for some more time. I would visit India. I would keep on going to India, but uh, I would like to be sure about things Mm. that I'm safe. Yes, of course. And the Catholic Church very clearly says that they would stop all problems from their side. (laughs) The only thing that they want is... uh, an apology from me uh, and they said it publicly also the archbishop of indian bishop conference wrote on their website officially okay.
0: there's two aspects first of all that's fine if they say they won't condone violence against you but all it takes is one actor you know someone on their own to decide that they want to harm you but yeah. secondly you say they're asking for the apology i'm getting the sense that you don't really feel like you should issue a, an apology
1: you know, this uh, this uh, journalist who wrote to me, he wrote it publicly also. And I mean, he wrote to the bishops also. that's why the bishops came to defend their yeah. position. And and uh, first, the, the church officially said that we haven't done anything. The angry Christians, you know, they were hurt <laughs> and they have done yeah. it. But on CNN interview, the church representatives come with the copy of the case. And we, we have stopped him, claiming very proud mm-hmm. their success in uh, stopping wow. me. But they could not stop me. Officially, First, they said the church leaders are not doing anything. But later, the head of Indian bishops conference publicly made a statement on their website that all problems will be over for him if he apologize for what he mm-hmm. did.
0: I, I'm guessing you did not.
1: I, I, I made a public reply to that. Yeah. I said, you can bring all the toaster machines from the medieval times <laughs> and you can apply on me. You can perhaps hear breaking of my bones. I mean, as one of your police officers told me, maybe I would scream with pain, but... You would not get an apology.
0: <laughs> wow. Okay. So definitely <laughs> shutting that option down. So you're a rhetorician. You you speak very well. You speak powerfully. You're not willing to just let people say, "Well, let us have our miracles." This question comes from Carrie, my co-host. She said, "Looking back, is there anything that you might adjust about how you articulated your criticisms?"
1: I think if I if I go back and I have the same opportunities, would I do something different? Mm-hmm. No. Okay. I think I've I've I'm very clear that what I've done was fully up to my conscience and I would do the same only and I would continue doing okay.
0: It. I'll ask another question that came from Carrie. What advice would you give someone who constantly is put in the position where they have to challenge someone's deeply held beliefs, but doesn't enjoy being a contrarian?
1: Uh, as a critic of religion, should we keep on, you know, making people un- uncomfortable? I, I, I would not do that. You know, I, I, I would not, for example, enter into a personal argument with the private person. Okay, I would not do that. I don't want to irritate people. I I speak to the public. I speak on media. I I, I speak on a public meeting. Uh, But uh, I'm not angry with anybody who has any kind of stupid ideas. Okay. (laughs) Because I mean, I normally say to any anybody that I would like you to believe in whatever you want. It's none of my business. Mm. But I would, if you ask me, I would advise you not to do it. Yeah. Uh, That doesn't mean that I'm not a missionary. I don't want to be a missionary, also. I'm. An opinion maker. You can take it, you
0: can reject it. I don't want to impose. You've been accused of being a missionary or having evangelical
1: zeal for atheism. (laughs) How do you respond to that? Well, I I didn't force anybody. I didn't try to, against anybody's will, I didn't try to convince anybody. Mm, mm -hmm. I was publicly speaking my position. I'm writing in books. I'm writing my articles. You can avoid reading my articles. (laughs) You can avoid hearing what I said. You can avoid seeing my appearances on television. But I don't force anybody to hear what I want to say. I don't impose my views upon anybody. I would say that I believe in the right of even the most superstitious people to believe in their superstitions. I would defend their right. Mm -hmm. But all the same, I would defend my right to publicly advocate against that also.
0: Well said. Okay. I like that. Whoa there. Whoa there. Hold on me and Sonal. I think it's time for a little break to talk about shoes. And again, Carrie's not here, but I have a special guest. Cara Blotcher.
3: Hey. Hello. Hi.
0: These happen to be products that you know a lot about.
3: I do. I wear them every day.
0: Carrie's often, I don't know if she's skeptical about this, but, you know, I talk about how people will stop me and point out my shoes and how much they like them. And she thinks I live in this weird world. where She
3: thinks it's a lie.
0: Where people, <laughs> I don't know, It's just. I guess it just doesn't happen to her. Hmm. But you were there for that one story I that I told where you and someone we ran into were both wearing the same The point
3: shoes. Yes, I do, actually. I noticed her (laughs) shoes and I stopped her. Yeah,
0: you pointed it out. And I said,
3: hey, I like your shoes. And she's like, oh, thank you. And then she saw I was wearing the same exact shoes. Uh
0: And then I was wearing Rothy's and she got all excited about maybe getting them for her husband. Uh, but this happened to be just this last week. Nancy, my next-door neighbor at work, she saw my shoes and she's like, oh, those are really nice. And I said, thank you for saying that. I'm going to mention that because these are Rothy's. And I told her about them and why they're important. So all of you should know, Rothies are well. Most people immediately want to talk about the fact that they're made from recycled water bottles.
3: Definitely, that's
0: pretty cool. Uh, but they're also comfortable. They are. Even if they weren't made out of water bottles, you'd and want to wear them.
3: Washable.
0: Have you put yours in the wash?
3: I have a few times now.
0: Okay, so you what? You just take out the insole, and yeah, then,
3: and you just stick them in the washer,
0: and then you don't dry them. That's the important thing. Correct. You you let them air dry. You actually have two pairs of the point, don't you? I do. You a one (laughs) I didn't mean to use the point multiple times there. I get your point, though. uh, You asked me to buy a second pair just so you'd have a fresh one, but you held on to the the older ones because they're still good.
3: Yeah, I still wear both pairs.
0: So Okay, so we've got comfort, we've got washability, we've got durability. They last a long time, and they've got style. They look nice.
3: Effortly classic.
0: So both of us have two pairs. Look at us. All right, so what should our listeners do if they want to get some Rothy's as well? They can find their new favorite shoes and get ready to be asked, are those Rothies?" Uh, which, by the way, you can always tell if they have the little blue stripe on the back. That's what I always look for if I see a shoe and I suspect it might be a Rothies. Mm. I get behind the person and I look down. Smart. Okay, plus get 20% off your first purchase at rothies.com slash oh no.
3: That's R-O-T-H-Y-S dot com slash oh no.
0: But also we are frequent users of HelloFresh. Yeah. So what happens when you order a box of HelloFresh?
3: Well, lots of great food is delivered right to your door.
0: Yeah, it comes in a box.
3: And yeah. it's fresh.
0: <laughs> That's right. And it says hello. It's <laughs> So friendly. And we're big recyclers in this household. Cara knows that because she's seen me taking apart boxes.
3: He's and, obsessive.
0: <laughs> and putting things in piles. But the HelloFresh boxes, you can break them down and pull out pieces and recycle them. There's a lot of effort, I would say, put into making this sustainable we have a family of three here so we'll often order the box for four people uh, but that doesn't seem to stop us we just kind of we
3: just keep eating
0: (laughs) yeah we we eat our portions and then there's extra And and usually usually it's drew who finishes it off but
3: Is it? It's not you.
0: I help, calling me out. And at first, you would always let me make the meals. But lately, you've been.
3: I've learned my lesson.
0: <laughs> you've what? It's not like I don't make them well. It's That's just I true. take a long you time. You make
3: them very well. It's just by midnight, I'm kind of hungry. Uh huh.
0: Yeah. Either I'll help Kara, or you'll make it. And um, it's always good. Whoever's making it. It's just it's faster when you're making it. But what I really like about it is that they do all the planning for you. It comes to your door with all of the things that you need. There might be some basic things that you'll have around the house, like butter salt and pepper or something like that. But otherwise, you can skip the trip to the grocery store and then count on HelloFresh to make the home cooking easy and, of course, fun and affordable. And that's why it's America's number one meal kit.
3: HelloFresh is now offering vegan recipes on the menu every week. Made without animal products of any kind, like dairy, meat, eggs, or honey. Enjoy meals like sweet chili tofu bowls or spicy coconut curry stir fry.
0: Yeah, that's pretty cool. Like, I just saw recently they have all these new, especially bowl items. I'm excited about that and hoping we can get some soon. Also, have your pumpkin spice and eat it, too, with a rotating selection of fall-inspired items from HelloFresh Market. From brunch kits to a fall dessert board you'll find everything you need for all your favorite autumn occasions like tailgating, Das Oktoberfest und mehr. Do you have any uh, favorite HelloFresh recipes?
3: I really liked that lemon spaghetti.
0: Oh yeah, with the Brussels sprouts. That was quite... Uh, We actually got that twice and it was delicious each time. It also had like the breadcrumbs in it. Yes. Oh yeah. Yeah, I was all for that. So even for a pro-cook like Cara, HelloFresh still makes a great meal. And for someone who doesn't know what they're doing like me, but is learning, it's also a great solution. So go to HelloFresh.com slash 65 and use code ono 65 for 65% off, plus free shipping.
3: That's HelloFresh.com slash 65 and code ono 65 for 65% off, plus free shipping.
0: Oh, and look... We also have a jumbotron.
3: Yay! An
0: owl just floated into our abode and is now sitting between us, and it has something attached to it, but I know it's a jumbotron. Hold on. Let me pull the scroll from the owl and unfurl it. It looks like it's from Rachel to Diane. Ooh. And what does she say?
3: Happy birthday, Mom Barry. I thought about getting you a pyramid hat or a ticket to Rhythmia, but figured my money would be more wisely spent paying Ross and Carrie to wish you a wonderful day.
0: Well, she got Ross and Carrie. That's close enough. Here's hoping this brings you more than placebo effect smiles. I'll always be grateful that you're my mom. Love, Rachel E. Nick also sends his regards. So kind. Yeah, happy birthday, Diane. All right. Well, thanks for joining me, Karat. Let's go back to Sanal Idamaruku. All right. Well, I want to ask you about some other religious figures from India and get some of your, your takes on them. So I would love to get your thoughts about Ama, the, the hugging saint, as she's often called. <laughs> she comes from the same state as you in India, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Kerala. Kerala, yeah. You were born just two years after she was. What What do you know about Amma? Have you ever interacted with her?
1: Uh, I didn't talk to her directly, but uh, I have uh, talked to many of those people who are very close with her.
0: Because she talks very often about her critics and skeptics who've tried to disprove her. She's even claimed that people have tried to threaten her. So that, that was never you. You weren't the one showing up and trying to reproduce her miracles or anything like that.
1: I think we have, I've taken initiative uh, in the early days of Amma coming up mm-hmm. uh, to publish a book. Originally, she made a lot of claims of miracles. Yes. Now now she stopped all those claims. Oh. But yeah, she, she made a lot of miracles. She cured lepers. And, she uh, made, turned water to milk. Yeah, water to milk. And she walked over the river and all these mm, kind of things. I hadn't heard that one. Okay. Many, many claims were made. And also, I have a copy of her first autobiography, oh. which is now out of print. Because a lot of claims that was made in the autobiography's first edition is not claimed now. Right? Okay,
0: yeah, I read a biography by one of her ardent followers, and and there were many miracle claims, but it wasn't an autobiography. Interesting. So that's no longer
2: available.
1: Yeah, in the in the first autobiography, I mean, of course, I mean she makes a lot of miracle claims. She herself was making claims, and. Uh, I published the first ever book published against Amma mm. it was in her own language, and it was initiated by me, and I was the publisher. Because
0: that's your native language as well, right, Malayalam?
1: Yeah, ma- Malayalam. Yeah.
0: When I first saw that word written in English, I was very excited because it's a palindrome; it reads the same forwards as backwards. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And then I I, pro- <laughs> I pronounced it Malayalam, but. I've been since uh, corrected on that. So, okay, so you published it in her own language. What was her reaction to that?
1: To this, I mean, there was no reaction first. I mean, they tried to ignore it. We kept on keeping our position very clearly. I mean, if she wants to speak anything, I mean, uh, her spiritual ideas and all, I mean, of course, she's free to speak that, Mm -hmm. but she cannot claim miracles, which uh, unsubstantiated claims would give, I mean, bad idea to people. But she has grown. I mean, she has a lot of political clout, support. Yeah, She
0: she has like the Amrita Foundation, which seems to do some good in the world. How do you feel about that group?
1: Which foundation? Amrita Foundation. Yeah. uh, I mean, I have... uh, quite a different view about this foundation because for example when there was a one small example I mm-hmm. tell you the tsunami there was a tsunami which the whole the coastal area oh, of southern yes. India yeah. was seriously affected it was uh, in, in the first decade of 2000s uh, uh, there are three four websites for her one is in the uh, United States its name is amachi.co that's her followers are doing it okay the claim published in that was uh, she was collecting a lot of money from all around the world uh, to help the people who are affected by the tsunami. But the claim says she was standing on her building in on and then she saw the tsunami coming and then she just throw a side of her sari that she was wearing. So the sari goes several kilometers and spreads on the sea and the tsunami stops there. What? Yeah. That's officially claimed that, that it did not, it would not come to her ashram. And that's why the ashram was. Oh, she all
0: stopped, she stopped the tsunami from harming her ashram, but not from killing yeah. so many people.
1: We asked one question only, if she could stop yeah. it. For why not ashram, stop it earlier? Why didn't she do it for yeah, other people? Yeah, the, why all this thing happened? That's a good question. Second thing, did it, I mean, the tsunami reached her ashram. It's in the, Pondi seaside. In fact, This side of the the whole area was less affected Mm. because the Bay of Bengal was more affected. But the tsunami waves came and the wall of her building was collapsed actually. Mm. Uh, Such claims and another set of claims. She, of course, this voluntary organization in her Mm -hmm. name has collected money from all around the world, which was quite not transparent. What kind of money was collected, how it was spent. And there was a government of India inquiry about that. And funds to her organization was stopped for some time by the central economic offences wing. A third party. A government body in India. You have to get approval every three years or after a certain period yeah. to get further support. Yeah, They lost her permission after this incident because of the not transparent financial statements that they made. Okay. So that speaks about something. I would not uh, argue anything more because I don't have evidence whether they misused the money or not, but that was accused by a lot of people. I see.
0: It seems like what she does now with the hugging and not really making any big claims, people kind of make the claims on their own. It seems like she's found a very uh, smart approach, which is just to let people create their own miracle stories. I
1: mean, if she go around and hugs people, and if some people feel relieved out of Mm -hmm. that, I mean, if they feel comfortable, I've not complained about that. I mean, what's there to be complained about that? Sweet gig. (laughs) If I would suggest that, you know, the problems that make people suffering would not end with that. That's a temporary solution only. We have to teach people to address their problems, to find solutions for their problems, face their life I mean, with confidence, mm-hmm. that's what we have to teach people. Not consoling. Consoling is nothing bad. Mm-hmm. But consoling or patting on the shoulder is uh, not enough, not enough. But that's nothing. I mean, I cannot criticize that. Okay. The only thing I can criticize is that when she has a cult, she should not do it. <laughs>
0: sure. Yeah. <laughs> someday, someday. <laughs> um, uh, <laughs> would you would you describe her following as a cult? The,
1: the whole people are not a cult. Mm. Because there are a lot of people who are at different levels of following. Sure. The following is not a cult, mm-hmm. but there is a cult within. Okay. The ashram is a cult. There are people who are living there permanently. One of her followers, she was in contact with me also, who visited her. He was, she was an Australian woman yes. I who lived with yes. her for a long time, wrote a book about her experiences yes. in the ashram.
0: Oh, yeah. Uh, Kerry was telling and me about that's this. If,
1: yeah. That's that is if, that's a first-hand information about what was happening in this ashram how she uh, persecuted people and what kind of uh, cult behavior is within the existing within this ashram i mean that's so so shocking
0: gail treadwell you said that's the name
1: yeah Greg gail treadwell, gail treadwell yes. so
0: you're saying that only if you get kind of within the inner circle and you're very closely your life is wrapped up with ama then you get exposed to this more high pressure environment
1: yeah. Also, there were many complaints about people got killed there. Mm-hmm. So it's it's like, a, you know, in a culture, anybody within the inner circle, if you make a raising question or something like that, you're silenced. Ah, yeah. Such behavior was accused. I mean, at least uh, five or six cases are well known. I mean, people who raised some sounds were silenced. And one of the claims, the most interesting claim, yeah. which is originally written in her own autobiography, is about... Her brother. Oh, The story is very shocking. Yes. Her brother opposed her. She said he be- he didn't believe that she had any miraculous power mm-hmm. or she was a god. No, there was a huge argument about this, and people were you know started pouring in. I mean, the cult was I mean, the local cult was beginning apparently, mm-hmm. and he opposed that. And one day, the divine forces have interfered, and he hanged himself. <gasps> oh no! Why 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 he died? I mean, because divine forces have done it.
0: So quite possibly he did die by suicide, but that she would attach a spiritual message to this.
1: Yeah, it was something like a spiritual message. And then she would say that he is now reincarnated as a little child there. Uh, yeah, and okay. All these kind of claims look not very comfortable in my yeah, mind. Yeah, absolutely. If somebody, somebody's brother's suicides, I mean, it's sad. Anybody's relative Away, but making a claim that it's a divine interference right. and reincarnation, and then telling a whole story, and it's a giving giving a message to people that opposing me is, uh, I mean, something the gods would not approve. But that's something of uh, unacceptable yeah. taste.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Another thing I wanted to ask about is what are some of the major forms of supernatural expression in India? You know, I think of some traditional ideas that have been popular in India or come from India, like firewalking, or laying on a bed of nails, or or kind of street magicians who will uh, hover above the ground. Uh, what are some of those kind of public displays of supernatural ability, and, and have you encountered them?
1: Yeah, there are three types of miracles in India. One is the individual, you you, you face, you, you, you believe that you attain some extra powers, mm-hmm. and you claim that, and others believe mm-hmm. it. Sometimes natural phenomenon which uh, you yourself or others cannot understand, I mean, are taken as miracles. Like you walk over the fire. Mm-hmm. In the temple festival, There is a, there are fire embers, and people are chanting slogans and they run over the fire and they don't get hurt. And
0: there's a physical explanation for why they didn't get hurt.
1: Yeah, very simple that. I mean, if you walk, I mean, in terms of yeah. physics, it's very simple that if you don't stop and keep on walking, you don't catch fire, mm-hmm. you don't get hurt. But if you stop, you cannot do that. I mean, you will fall down because your feet will be. Yes. Burnt. And when we explained it very simple like that, people asked, could you do it then? Mm-hmm. Well, we have done. 1985, we called a press conference in Delhi's uh, international press yeah. club. And we've made a fire in the press club grounds. And we asked five of our volunteers to walk over the fire and they walked, then so many journalists, they walked over it. And that was front page news in the whole oh, country.
0: Yeah, that's that's a great way to have a public demonstration. <laughs> yeah, that's,
1: yeah, that's the way to explain it. I mean, many people, for example, they think that they got some power. Mm-hmm. These are natural things which they don't understand. These are simple scientific principles, but they don't understand the scientific principle and they consider it as a miracle. Other kinds of people are clear fraudsters, you know, who manipulate things or mm. make meticulous plants or use small chemicals. Stuff and I mean make miracles like you look at magic
0: tricks essentially.
1: Magic tricks, which James Randi would call the the fraud mm-hmm. I mean,
0: you have to know what you're doing in this case.
1: Yeah, it can. This can be explained also with uh, knowing what it is. For example, there was one guru Sadachari. He would look into a heaven. Is made heaven is a holy fire in the Hindu ritual, mm-hmm. and uh, the purified butter ghee we call mm-hmm. it is poured into that, and he concentrate on that and fire simply burst up, oh. and with his mental power cool. and he shows it yeah and he has shown it to the former prime minister of india imira Gandhi, and he put a paper over it and then a message comes signed by late rationalist father first prime minister of india <laughs> and uh, that was all in the media at one time wow we responded to that also i mean we again called a press conference in the delhi's press club we collected the whole from one of these places what are the materials he were using and we found there was a, a mixture of two things one is all the wood was treated with the potassium permanganate. Mm. And what he pouring was not purified butter, but it was purely <laughs> glycerin. Oh. Potassium permanganate and glycerin has a chemical wow. action. in three minutes it in the wow. fire. Very simple. Okay. <laughs> and, you know, okay, we explained it, their chemicals used, but we didn't want to tell it publicly what chemicals because people, people would repeat it that. Dangerous. Yeah.
0: You get copycats.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And then... But when the challenge came that, can you do it? Well, I called a press conference in Delhi's press club. Mm -hmm. Then I said, look, I'm a rationalist. I don't believe in all these kinds of things. But our prime minister, former prime minister believed and all all these ministers are believing and uh, there are pictures all around the tabloids. Now I'll try to see what is happening. So then there was a television program going on in Indian television with all these miracle stories and ghost speaking and all. So I brought some wood pieces, put in a vessel and I said, now I'm going to concentrate. <laughs> I said, and I poured some purified uh-huh. butter. And I mean, which was, I mean, glycerin. Yeah. Only, and the fire burst out. And I put a paper above it. <laughs> and comes a message from the same Jawaharlal Nehru the first prime minister of India, (laughs) that television program in Indian television is absurd. It should be stopped.
0: (laughs) So it's very simple. They didn't like you reproducing their magic.
1: Yeah. yeah, Very simple. If you make diluted sulfuric acid and write on a paper, after five minutes, it will dry up, put on any uh, heat and it will be pure black letters coming out there. Mm -hmm. Or use citric acid. You can write even with a lemon as a lime juice, as a
0: ink. And this this can be replicated. I remember my dad doing that as a magic trick for
1: me. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. This is something. I mean, this kind of people. This is the second kind of people. Fraudsters using chemistry and I mean, I mean, small tricks. Mm-hmm. And the third kind of people are psychopaths. They believe that they have power. And a lot of people around them. The strange behavior that people have. They speak to unknown things and they see things and they speak about uh, their great experiences mm-hmm. and. Uh, that can be believed. You know, some, some people can claim it without having these experiences. Mm-hmm. I would call them fraudsters. Some people may actually feel it. If they have schizophrenia, for example, oh, right. they can have hallucinations, mm-hmm. delusions. And, and if they have a commanding voice, a lot of people will immediately run around you. Yeah. So all these uh, strange things, for example, Amma would recently, I mean, she Might said that,
0: that third category.
1: Yeah, I, 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 I do not know whether it is the sec- second or third. I mean, or a
0: combination, maybe.
1: For example, one claim that she made, she would not die. Three minutes before her death, she would turn into a black stone statue.
0: Okay, and this will remain to be seen, I guess.
1: Yeah, but uh, I, I, I was uh, sadly remembering about a similar story that was in Uttar Pradesh in India, which I had to expose. There was a girl who claimed that she turned into, or, or the supporters turned that the holy woman, was turned into a statue. Oh, interesting. And there, there, there was a small statue of her. Yeah. And
0: she disappeared. Oh no. So you think there might have been foul play for people trying to
1: It was a foul play later one found her dead Oh
0: no. Oh, that's horrible.
1: So this 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 was something happening in 1990s and wow. I mean I mean, I've gone there and I mean studied the whole thing. I mean, it was I. I did not explain the whole thing. The police explained the whole thing, but uh, they solved it. I I knew the whole claim, Mm. but the same claim comes from Amma now. Is something you know? She should take care about herself. I would yeah. say. Such claims are not good for them.
0: So this is reminding me of another one of our investigations in which we attended the Self-Realization Fellowship here in Los Angeles. They have a presence. Paramahansa Yogananda said to have brought, you yeah. know, Kriya Yoga to the United States back in the 1920s and, you know, has a fairly large following. And one of the things that he claimed was that he had died intentionally. He knew his death was coming. It was, a I think, a Mahasamadhi well, was the... Kind of intentional death and I read his autobiography of a yogi and there were many stories in there that I thought sounded like magic tricks like for example being able to stop his pulse and having people feel it uh you know you can do that by hiding a ball or some other object in your armpit and cutting off blood supply you know make sure they don't feel your neck they're only feeling your your Uh wrist Absolutely. So, so yeah. he is said to have predicted his death, you know, like hours before it happened, he told his followers, um, and then they claimed that his body was incorruptible, that uh, it was remarkably well-preserved after his death. Are those stories that you've heard, do you have any insight into Paramahansa Yogananda's miracles?
1: Yeah, I've heard the stories, but this is not a unique story. Many of the Hindu holy men mm-hmm. or, or sathus or gurus I mean, when they die, the disciples make such claims. They predicted the death so precisely mm. and every, everything was known. Brahmananda and the Shiva Yogi of Kerala, his disciples even now say that he died precisely at a time and it was well, well known to him and he called his people and I mean, he said it. Narayana Guru, another famous guru, I mean he's a reformer also Mm. Uh, very progressive reformer but his disciples also claim the same thing so this is that I would know about my death is considered to be something very holy in the Indian tradition so this story is attributed very clearly to most of these people
0: I suppose it's a way to sort of exert some control over the final word that death has to show that you have a little power over it because you at least saw it coming and you know we, we see it in many other religious traditions and, and belief systems, like for L. Ron Hubbard, the creator of Scientology, you know, they said that he didn't really die, he just chose a new form so he could carry on his research. You know, Jesus famously, you know, he didn't die, he's going to prepare a place for us, but he's still very much alive, and he appeared to people before he left. Do you have any thoughts about kind of why they claim that?
1: I, I think, you know, that the, the claim that the, uh, the guru mm-hmm has full control on everything Mm. that includes the control on one's own death, I mean, gives a kind of an impression that he knew everything and I mean, the the next person would also get the, you know, the power delegated to him, this kind of a power who can control his own death or others death, others life, everything is controlled by the Guru. The guru is gurudam is explained like this, they are not claiming, most of the people are not claiming though they are called the God men, Mm -hmm. they're not claiming that they are gods themselves. Ah. Some of them, of course, would claim, like Satish Sai Baba would claim that he was God. Instead. Sai Baba, yeah. Yeah, he created the universe. I mean, that's wow, key. okay, bold. But uh, some of them say that they are the gateway mm. to the supernatural power, but only through them you can reach. Them. Okay. So therefore, they are the selected people who could reach the supernatural power. Gotcha.
0: They, they have a special connection that not everybody has. Yeah. Also, within kind of the story of the Self Realization Fellowship or Yogoda Satsanga as it is in, in India, is that there's this succession of Gurus that goes back to Babaji. How prominent is I, I feel like I hear a lot of different traditions talking about Babaji. How prominent is belief in Babaji and the idea that he is still alive thousands of years later and living in
1: India? Yeah, there are two Babaji's. I mean, one, this Babaji, Goratpur Babaji, who is living for a thousand mm-hmm. years somewhere in the hills and he's still appearing to people. He's yeah. a very popular belief in one part of Oh, India. which part? Uh, that's Uttarakhand, the northern part of the Okay, Allies. close
0: to Nepal. Close to Himalaya. Okay.
1: Yeah, close to Nepal. This part, it is uh, very, very popular. Okay. I've heard this story and this is very, and others don't take it serious. I mean, there are so many different schools mm-hmm. of uh, faith. This is one faith with many other Hindu leaders would just joke about. Some people take it very serious. Hindu faith is so interesting that you have um, have multiple varieties of different faiths and one set of faiths would ridicule all other set of faiths. There are some traditions, for example, which would deny even the existence of God. It's, it's, It's something, not one faith system or one belief system. Hundreds and hundreds of different faith systems interpreted by different people and believed again, by different forms and by different people and collectively called as one religion, the mainstream story that is popular now of Shiva, Vishnu and Brahma, Mm -hmm. the three trinity, this did not exist some uh, 200 years back.
0: It's a more modern invention.
1: Yeah. These gods, for example, Shiva and Vishnu were fighting all the time in history, the disciples. Mm -hmm. And uh, there are three major schools in India. One is the the mother goddess worshippers in the eastern India, and the Shiva worshippers from another tradition, and the Vishnu worshippers from the other tradition. These were the latest part of it. Then another part is Vedanta, where there is no individual god, but the universe is the god and you are part of it. So these are the three, four traditions mainly uh-huh. working.
0: Interesting. I, I remember in Amma's story that she was saying that she had been an ardent devotee of Krishna and that she would constantly meditate on Krishna. But then she discovered Devi and just became a devoted follower of, of that and even you know became a personification herself of Devi.
1: Yeah, yeah, in the earlier parts of her, I mean, I don't know whether she does it now, but earlier parts of building up her career, she had two days. One day she would dress up like Devi, mm. the mother goddess, mm-hmm. she would make a cardboard crown and uh, <laughs> I mean, like like children would play on a birthday and all. I mean, she I mean the pictures are so silly looking. <laughs> she makes a cardboard crown and uh, all dresses and colorful dresses and she dances like Devi. Okay. Another day she would make a Krishna power she called. She would dress up like Krishna and put a peacock feather on the head and all and she <laughs> again cardboard crowns okay. and uh, and she dances, and a lot of people are happy about that. All right. <laughs> I, I guess
0: nobody's harmed with that. <laughs> what, what are some of the other uh, people that you've looked into? I believe you've also researched Bhagavan Rajneesh, or Osho. Many people may be familiar with him because there was a really popular Netflix documentary called Wild, Wild Country. Yeah, yeah. Did you ever interact with him or investigate him? I
1: have written uh, articles about... Uh, he was known as... Osho in Mm. India. I mean, last part of his life, he changed his name. His name was Dejanish, and then he was known as Pakwan for a lot of people. Then later part, he changed his name as Osho. It
0: seems name changes kind of come with the spiritualist game.
1: Yeah. I mean, he said many things sensible and many things absolutely nonsensical. For example, he ridiculed most of the religions.
0: Oh, interesting.
1: Yeah. He ridiculed uh, almost all the faiths, he said. Mm. And he said he doesn't believe in a religion. But all the same, he said he would return back to this earth. I mean, after his death. Um, This is a kind of mixture of different things. That's why I said, for example, he has a claim that he invented a new meditation system. Mm -hmm. And I've very closely watched the whole thing. And I've written several articles about it. And one of my books, which was published in Germany, also is about uh, the uh, the Rajneesh tradition. And one thing that is so interesting is, I mean, there are many, many, many meditations in the whole thing. One is, for example, you have to come out of the you out of you. So you're taken into a room, and you have to laugh, everybody should laugh and laugh and laugh. for okay. something. Then the next party, that's all right. The next part is everybody should beat against each other. Hmm. That's another day. And I mean, you get all these experiences.
0: I think I remember
1: <laughs> that from the documentary.
0: Okay, yeah.
1: These are terrible things. I mean, but he enjoyed the whole stuff, it seems, but he was uh, accepted by a lot of people, directly or indirectly. Mm-hmm. But uh, later, he had problems with one of his co-founders. Right. Anandashila. Yes. That was the end of the whole thing. And I mean, they tried to establish a, a big center in United States, also.
0: Yes, yeah, in Oregon. Yeah, right. Uh, yeah, it, it seems like he was one of those cases where the power kind of got to his head, and he sort of changed over time as he had more influence over people.
1: One thing that he was so fascinated was buying a large number of Rolls Royce cars here. Right. Yeah, a whole fleet of Rolls Royces. Yeah, like dozens. <laughs> How would one use all these things? <laughs> right. Not dozens. I mean, I mean, thirty or forty Rolls Royce cars. I mean, fascinating.
0: One thing that keeps coming up is reincarnation. That seems to be a very strong belief in India, even more so than in the U.S. And I hear many stories of children who claim to be formerly World War II pilots or have some memory from a previous life. Have you ever encountered or investigated those stories?
1: Oh, yes. Yes, yes. One of my major investigations go on to the reincarnation claims in India. And uh, most of the claims, interestingly, were coming from United States.
0: Oh, really? Not from India.
1: Oh. Yeah, not from India. Uh, India, of, of course, India also, a lot of stories came later. But the number of cases coming in India are first promoted by uh, Reincarnation Promotion Foundation in United States, oh. founded by Ian Stevens. Okay, I don't know this. But uh, this is what is more interesting. I mean, the reincarnation faith is there in India in two different traditions. One is... Shiva Purana, the epic of Shiva. The other tradition is Bhagavad Gita. Oh, okay. These two traditions are there. An,
0: an ancient text, one of the oldest uh, religious yeah, traditions. Yeah,
1: yeah, these, these two are, I mean, pretty old, at least 2,000 or 1,800 years old. Shiva Purana speaks about reincarnation, uh, not happening for a human to a human, but it goes through several... Insects and creatures and all.
0: That there's sort of an ascension and a descension based on your activities in life.
1: 1,600,000 lives you have to go through to come back to a human uterus again.
0: And if I understand, the caste system is also kind of attached to this?
1: Yes. Caste system is justified on the basis of... The sins done in the past life has made you a lower caste. So kind of a built-in racism, really. Caste system is uh, still worse than race. Because race is something you can make a policy against that, and it's done. But caste is inherent to your mindset. Mm. You believe that, I mean, if you break the rules of caste system, you will be born as a dog next Mm. life. You don't want it. And even if laws change it, Mm -hmm. you cannot change it. It's a mindset problem. So the reincarnation, what is said in Bhagavad Gita is you are, after death, you're born immediately. Like you change your clothes, you change your body, mm. you go into a new clothes. These are the two different faiths, but these are old faiths, just not very popular in India now. But a, a random folk stories go around, a folk belief, that's what one would mm-hmm. say. One would say, if I have when in the next life, I would not do the same thing one can say as a, as a folk conversation. But it's not part of a serious faith for many people. Mm-hmm. Okay, But on the other side, there was a one famous effort in the 1960s in an academic circle to establish reincarnation. Oh,
0: to find some actual factual stories. Yeah. The uni-
1: University Grants Commission has uh, given funds to one research center mm-hmm. in the Rajasthan University to study the cases of reincarnation, which is coming up in different places here and there. And one professor Banaji was allowed to establish a department of reincarnation in the Rajasthan University. So but after two or three years, this was found as a sham, the whole thing was, you know, he made 2000 case studies in uh, one or two years, and most of them are hearsays or recorded things. And uh, the department was closed down and the funds were cut down and he was taken out of the university. So they weren't
0: really doing the critical work of trying to verify these stories or find some sort no, of corroboration? No, no, no. He was a promoter of okay. these Yes. And just collecting them and publicizing them. He moved them. to the United States after mm, that.
1: Okay. And fo- found a follower, Ian Stevenson. Ah, that's the connection. Ian Stevenson has produced a lot of stories of reincarnation. But most of the stories were originally coming from is Banaji's collections.
0: I see. So all that work that was done under the academic rubric was then exported to the US and kind of adopted by Stevenson.
1: Yeah, Stevenson once came to New Delhi and in his meeting, I went and attended mm. the meeting. And after the meeting, I asked him, Do you have any recent cases in India where there is a reincarnation claim? Is there? I mean, he said about a case about a Kulolala. I've gone and investigated and ex- the whole thing because I found even that the boy was born before the death of the other person. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's a problem.
0: (laughs) (laughs) The, The spirit has to be in two places at once.
1: Yeah. But how it happens is, you know, the reason is very simple. Children are very vulnerable from the age of four to something like seven mm-hmm. years, because that's that's the time when you have to absorb a lot of ideas and you get everything into your brain, you accept everything, you, you're very vulnerable. Mm-hmm. And when you come out of that, you believe every single thing, you hear something, you cannot differentiate your fantasy and reality. and right. dream. This is So vulnerable and that's important for us, our brain to develop. But some people yeah. do not come out of it. they are seven or eight years old
0: and i imagine there's also an aspect of just people paying attention to you when you have these stories you get a lot of positive reinforcement
1: yeah that's another very important factor because you are sometimes you are not very prominent in in, amongst your siblings you feel suppressed or you are neglected The, the moment you say a story immediately it fascinates a lot of people the attention deficiency syndrome is simply addressed with these kind of claims. Mm-hmm. And immediately, the local media would come up, there are stories around you and everybody wants to hear the yeah. story. The story will keep on improving. Yes. Every time you tell it. With each retelling. All the negative sides are removed and removed and it is modified and you start believing it.
0: The edges are polished and it turns into yeah. a nice shiny stone.
1: I studied at least 20 claims of reincarnation. Oh, wow. And they wrote several articles about okay. it
0: also. And they all were found wanting, I'm guessing, or were just unverifiable.
1: Most of the time, I mean, I was trying to see the claim from to study the other side also. Who's reincarnated? Was there
0: anything that surprised you that like you know you were impressed at some aspect of the story?
1: One, see for, for example this Kulolala's reincarnation was a very interesting story which was uh, so fascinating. One boy claims that I mean he's the incarnation of Kulolala. Kulolala was a very rich merchant who was shot dead by some some decoits or something mm. like that and then a boy some 70, 80 kilometers away from a very poor background, a poor farm farm worker's son, suddenly claims at the fourth year that he's Kulalala. Okay. Take me to my home. And he's taken there. The story goes that his wife, Sutta, The first report in the major newspaper was as follows. Uh, Sudha says that, uh, well, if you are Kulolala's um, coming Mm -hmm. in a new body, you know where we keep the key. Yeah, Yeah. okay. And that's known to you you and me only. Now, nobody else Mm -hmm. knows than Kulolala. This is a good test. Can you just identify it? The story says he has gone and simply took it and gave to her. Whoa, okay. That's the story. story. So what I did was, first I went to Kulolala's home. I talked to family. I pretended that I was a journalist, wanted to write about it, which was Mm true also, not a wrong thing. But I talked to this lady privately and asked about the story. She said, no, it was the other way around. Uh, He could not find uh it. And I was so shocked and I don't believe it.
0: Okay. Yep. That's how storytelling (laughs) works.
1: Yeah. And then I went to this boy. And I asked, I, I came in a car, which was a new branch of a Suzuki car. I mean, it was very new in India at that time. And I had one of the first cars and I, I he was fascinated with the car. And I took in my hand and I went to the car and he said, do you know this car? I'm coming from Kulolala's family. Mm-hmm. I, I told him, yes, I remember this. I was driving in this car. Okay, so do you know that this was Kulolala's car? I put a suggestive question yes. to see how he responds. Yes, this was my car. <laughs> let me go in, let me go in. And he goes in and he moves the steering wheel. He and fell door. for the trap. I, I, I know where this is going. He said, I, I know, I know. And this car was actually, came to Indian market. This branch came to Indian market after five years after his death. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I mean, this was all recorded.
0: Uh... That's funny. Carrie and I on the podcast were recently talking about a movie called Little Buddha, uh, which was a very similar story of this prominent... The Nepali one? Yes. Yeah. You've heard of it. Yes, this. yes, yes. Yeah. yeah. Kind of yeah. based on that same story. In the US, we have a popular version of this where the examples I can think of are all young boys, but they claim that they had a near-death experience and went to heaven and met Jesus. And there's many popular books and films based on on these stories?
1: If you cannot come out of this childhood phenomenon of uh, believing everything without questioning and uh, mixing up your dream and fantasy and reality, when when many people continue Mm -hmm. this, they get into a trap of it. They cannot come out of it. For example, this boy, when I met him, he was four years old. When he was 15 years old, I saw some reports and saw some television programs Telling about the old story, forgetting about how it was exposed at the time for several years, it was not there. But this boy still believed that he was Mm. the incarnation of Kulolala. But meantime, with my explanation and the facts all published, the family rejected the idea. Oh, wow. Yeah, but he was feeling... He persisted. He persisted and... uh, he felt he was not accepted by his family, and he felt sad about it, and there was some individual. So he, he was living as olala, which is sad, you know, that's that kind of mental situation that people are trapped yeah, into.
0: that's tough, because I'm sure there's, probably it's different for each individual, but I'm sure sometimes you also are trapped because you'd have to say that you were a liar, you know, that you were misleading people, and that's very hard to admit. Or you've gotten so much positive feedback and people who depend on you to keep this story going. Yeah, that's tough. But you're you're suggesting there's an element of arrested development. They sort of stopped yeah, developing. Yeah,
1: that's a correct word, ar- arrested development. And I mean, they would remain there mm-hmm. and they would insist on that. It's a sad situation. I would not feel angry to these people, I mean, who claim to be reincarnation, but feel sad about them because they are trapped in some mythological story or some kind of a little world that they created for themselves and trapped there without a possibility to come out of yeah.
0: it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. That is said. Oh, goodness, I, I feel like we could talk about so many figures for so long. Like there's <laughs> the Art of Living Foundation that we briefly attended. There's Transcendental Meditation and Yogic Flying. Uh, by yeah. the way,
1: this transcend, you, you asked about Paramahamsa. Yeah. I mean, he Died He died in a very big hotel, somewhere yeah. The
0: Biltmore in Los Angeles, so yeah.
1: He, he checked in and I mean, decided to die, and right, that's the story. Yeah, and also. I feel
0: like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I feel like he gave like a big speech and then he died, like, either during the speech or shortly thereafter, um, in front of his followers. Yeah, I feel like there's got to be way more to that story,
1: yeah. But the uh, other thing, you know, the uh, uh, transcendental meditation, mm-hmm. I mean, Mahesh Yogi, he was another person who made a lot of uh, inroad in the Western world. Mm-hmm. I, I would consider Paramahamsa was the first person as a guru who reached the Western world, especially United States. But uh, uh, Mahesh Yogi has reached all around Europe, some of the Beatles were following him, right? And uh, he claimed that he could help people to levitate and fly, and people believed it, right? Which is such a like something that
0: could be so easily demonstrated.
1: Just um, well, they they demonstrated
0: flight. yeah, but but it usually ends up being kind of cross-legged bouncing, yeah, yeah,
1: bouncing. But you t- take a photograph that was not those <laughs> times of not photoshopping. So they would put a camera down there. I was there in one of their demonstrations and the guys were are falling down up in their hoping. But the photographs are that for a momentary second that they are up in the air. And
0: then they just show everybody that photo. Look, I'm in the air.
1: But I found also some of his devotees who came to me. I mean, I've seen some of my programs. He said he felt actually fine. And later he found that apparently they were given something in their prasada, an offering given to them. Mm. And he felt uh, something like marijuana was part of it. And he felt hallucinated. Interesting.
0: Okay, so it was sort of a drug-aided sensation.
1: Yeah, that is one possibility. The other possibility that I always found interesting was, you know, the other report. I, I, I talked to many people who went through this experience. One of the experiences explained to me was as follows. He was was given a mantra, very simple, two sentences, Om Kri. Om Kri, okay. Yeah, Om Kri, Om Kri. And I mean, this he had to repeat a million times. Wow. Sitting in a lotus leg position, straight back Mm -hmm. and the hands in front of you. Close your eyes. Oh, I'd I'd
0: start hallucinating too.
1: Yeah. And then he would be taken to a, a basement room. There is less air circulation there. And he's all alone in a little cold room. And uh, and they're repeating and repeating. Sensory
0: deprivation experience.
1: Sensory deprivation and the lack of oxygen, Mm -hmm. which immediately trigger hallucinogens in the brain. And I mean, you get a lot of hallucination. Whatever you want to imagine, you can imagine. You know, if you remember Papillon, this novel, not the cinema, Papillon novel, the personal yeah, story. I
0: haven't read it. But yeah, I know what you're talking about. Yeah,
1: Papillon. I've been reading that. I mean, I found very interesting thing. When he was in a solitude in a prison, he thought he would get crazy. And then what he did was he deprive himself oxygen, he covered all his mm. head mm-hmm. and put a blanket was covered and deprive himself oxygen so that he can hallucinate his imaginations and dreams as reality so that he, he wanted to avoid getting crazy. So this is a very simple, I mean, popular story, many people yeah. know. So you can, you can imagine anything if you are deprived of oxygen. That's why when, when you are in meditation, yeah. you deep breathe, you are actually not giving much oxygen, but you are storing more carbon dioxide and you are, depraving your brain with oxygen so, right and you start getting hallucinations yeah
0: uh, Carrie and I did this in an investigation with holotropic mm-hmm. breathwork where we would do these kind of deep breathing where we'd intake a little bit of air and then we'd exhale a lot of air and you do it very rapidly and they would kind of coach you how to do it and get the cycle going and yeah I was having very uh, fervent visions So it works, and I think this sort of phenomenon falls in that first category you were talking about, where it's a real physical phenomenon. It's just, we don't understand it so well, or it gets explained. You
1: you don't need any external hallucinogens. Right, and if you control your Mm -hmm. breath, and take deep breath, and hold, and release, and continue it long time, then you, you start seeing colors or sounds or music, yeah. or you know, anything what you're imagining. And I've experienced
0: you... it. And, and I think something very similar happened when I was a Christian. And only one time I spoke in tongues. I think it was a very similar situation where I was saying, I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. Very much like a mantra to the point where I got lightheaded and someone came along and pushed me on the forehead and I fell back speaking in tongues. I think it's very related.
1: I asked this boy, I mean, who came to me, I mean, after having a bad experience in this Mahesh Yogi tradition, and I gave him one room for some time and he said, you go there and simply sit in the same way and repeat one word, garbage, 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 (laughs) until you get (laughs) vision. And he came after two hours. I got the mission already.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I like. That's a that's a good test of the system. That's great. Well, I'm I'm curious. Are there are there any aspects of spirituality or spiritual practice that you find you still enjoy or incorporate in your life, like meditation or yoga or music or art? Is there anything that you feel that kind of enriches you from the spiritual tradition?
1: Uh, what what I always feel is that you know everything that is connected with religion that is good part of our culture, like music, Mm -hmm. or or dancing, a lot of things are now connected with Mm -hmm. religion. But uh, I try to be not away from these kinds of things, because I like dance, I've studied classical dance, and uh, I studied classical Mm -hmm. drumming. So I always feel that all these traditions are of humankind. Religions have been in power at some time, and they have hijacked it from the people and made it their own exclusive things. I would like to take it back. Mm -hmm. And I would also own its heritage, Mm -hmm. because it's my heritage also, I would not leave it to religion or faith or any other faith groups. It's our tradition, our culture, and we would take it all to us, instead of rejecting anything connected with religion, Mm -hmm. we should have to identify the cultural aspects that are taken from the past Mm -hmm. by religion, by reclaiming it. And if they want to do it with the name of religion, well, then fine. Mm -hmm. But I would like to enjoy art and music and culture with a secular heritage, and enjoy it fully. You know, making this life better is also enjoying the best things of human traditions. We
0: own it as humans. We can we can still hug. Yes. We can still sing. We can still dance. Uh, but it doesn't Absolutely. Have to be religious. Absolutely, I like that. Yeah. Uh, what are some of the current issues that you find yourself really focusing on in your work with Rationalist International?
1: One of the major things that we try to do is bringing out the secular political issues. Mm -hmm. I mean, without becoming political activists, for example, the the struggle in Iran, Mm. you know, it's a revolution, the anti-hijab movement. I'm in touch with many activists. I'm encouraging this movement. I'm supporting this movement. And these kind of things are very important to get liberated. It's not only fighting superstitions, but also fighting oppression, the hegemony of any form whether it is in the name of religion or politics or ideology or dogma or anything that comes upon people that will deprive them from their freedom. That's to be stopped and we have to expand our activities. I mean, of course, we have to fight religion, we have to fight superstitions, we have to fight stupidities, but we have also to fight for freedom
0: basic human rights and freedoms yeah it's interesting because i know that that particular issue often takes a very different form here in the united states where being able to wear a hijab without any oppression or a negative commentary from others is a right of expression and that should also be preserved if someone chooses to wear a head covering, but they should have the choice, I think, is the bottom line.
1: Yeah, the choice without uh, a threat with the weapon.
0: Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, so that's one of the current issues. Anything else that you kind of have your eye on?
1: Well, I mean, see, these are the major issues. Any kind of, I mean, uh, deprivation of human beings mm. on the basis of any idea. I mean, all humans are equal. I mean, no matter what they believe, even in the name of faith, in the name of ideology, people should not be depraved. Everybody should be treated equally, everybody should be respected equally, everybody has the right to speak, free speech, the right to express yourself. I mean, these all are part of this one whole big movement. is what I feel. Yeah. I find, I, if somebody calls me, are you an atheist? Yes, I am an atheist. If somebody asks me if I'm a rationalist, yes, I'm a rationalist. If I'm a free thinker, yes, I'm a free mm-hmm. thinker. I'm a skeptic, I'm a skeptic, I'm a humanist, I'm a s- humanist because these all are shapes of one big movement. I consider the whole big movement which is expressed in very different ways, focuses on very different aspects, but all are important things that are one side of the fence of the further growth of our civilization. And let's be together there without any complication or conflict and and understanding these are different shades of one Mm -hmm. big moment is what I always feel.
0: Yeah yeah and uh we should be able to express those things without having to flee our countries
1: yes every country has a different tradition culture and kind of understanding things and kind of people who brought out things and their shades of influence everything should be there and should be accepted and respected and uh, that's the way we have to grow forward excellent
0: well i also have to ask you've been living in finland for a decade now have you found any prominent forms of pseudoscience there
1: uh, Finns are generally non-believers. Mm-hmm. Almost 80% of the people don't care about religion. Do they buy
0: homeopathy? Do they avoid
1: vaccines? I I, I think vaccine, for example. I think uh, almost uh, everybody is vaccinated here, but still there are anti-vaxxers. Okay. Some, some anti-vaxxers were mm-hmm. on the streets, but uh, vaccination is uh, promoted and uh, people are voluntarily going for vaccination. I mean, in autumn, I see... Very old people going for vaccination every year against pneumonia, against cold, against flu. People are very much vaccinational. Okay, and it's it's an unbelievably you know scientific. Wow. Country. I mean, people are following science, and there is no religion in schools. Okay. I, I found the first church-going person after two <laughs> years.
0: Okay. So, <laughs> all right. So, you haven't been busy uh, challenging weeping statues in Helsinki.
1: Yeah, but uh, when I was, I've been traveling a lot also. But I had another Christian statue mm-hmm. found in in Ireland when I was uh, visiting. The Irish atheists have invited me to have a lecture through there, and when I was going, in, I think in Cork, they have told me that. I mean, in I mean, there is a Moving uh, Mary. Have you heard of that? No, Moving Mary? Yeah, the is a, it's a small town there. And there is a in 1962 or something like that, there's a statue of Mary that moves left and right all the time.
0: Okay, this sounds like something you uh, could... It's,
1: it's on a small hillock, but you can see there. And my, the friends uh, invited me to see it. I've gone with them. I mean, on a Saturday morning, I've gone there. And, and uh, we parked there and there's a huge... Signboard there, Immaculate Conception and everything is there. You cannot go close to it. Yes, the statue is on a firm base, okay. concrete base. Yeah. You can see the whole thing. And it's not plastic or anything. It's pure concrete. Okay. I mean, one can see or, or cement or whatever. It is. Sounds
0: fairly immobile.
1: Yeah. And you see from there and you can see that it's moving left and right. Oh, what's going on? You can see it. I've, I've, I've witnessed it and I've seen it. That Ooh, it's moving. I want to see this. And I took a small video mm-hmm. of it. Well, you can see it's moving left okay. and right. Okay. Then what I thought was, uh, is there is there an optical illusion for something? Yeah, is the
0: background moving, perhaps?
1: Yeah, that was what I thought. So how to prove it? I had a small pointer which I use for my lectures. A laser pointer. Laser pointer, and I fixed on a tripod and put on the nose of the lady, and uh, waited for one hour and recorded it, and the statue is moving in my eyes. But the laser point is not moving from the nose. What's going on? Then I found that there was a bush road. Uh, and it's a hillock. And the wind comes uh. and it moves left and right.
0: <laughs> wow. So it's kind of like a gravity hill or something. We have these sites in the U.S. where like, you park your car and it will roll uphill. And it's just a perception thing because yeah. just the landscape makes it look like there's a slant where there's not.
1: Yeah. These bushes are something like a hollow made around mm. I mean, but the wind... Makes it moving left and right. Okay. And then you have an optical But it's very illusion, convincing.
0: Simple Another yeah, type yeah. one illusion. That's that's amazing. Okay, I'm hoping to visit Ireland soon and that'll have, to, that'll have to go on the list. I love it. Well, this has been fascinating. Like I said, we could talk for many, many more hours, but you've been so generous with your time. I feel like we may have to touch base with you again because in our adventures uh, for the podcast, we encounter so many aspects of Indian spirituality that are very active in the U S
1: we can take up some of these issues individually. I mean, that may be easier for people to understand. And, you know, now these are so many things, uh, but uh, if you take specific things, okay. them, I mean, that may be more, more wonderful. Yeah.
0: Okay. I look forward to following up. Well, uh, how can people follow you and how can people support you?
1: I'm on Twitter and I'm on face. I have a Facebook page. Uh, there is a new application, the rationalist. Oh, rationalist. Okay. There's an app ready and it's to be launched in two three days. Hey,
0: okay, it sh- then it should be coming out right as you this. Maybe this is, the, right may, maybe this this is the first
1: time I first time I publicly say about it. I mean, it's already people were working on it several weeks now not several weeks several months practically and this app will be officially launched in another week and it's already there in in uh, apple store and i mean yeah just you can just download it and
0: what will you get in the app is it uh, news updates
1: it's it's it's, yeah you have to get news updates the plan is to report activities of all different groups all around the Mm. world promote all their events they get information so that they can people can go to events and but that's all coming only but now the app is ready and it's free no advertisement. Just download, and one can join. Excellent.
0: It. Okay, so find you on Twitter. Download the app for you said rationalists. That's the keyword. Yeah. Wonderful. Thank you so much, Sanal. Wonderful to have you on the podcast. Really
1: appreciate you. Thank you, and nice meeting you, Rose. Likewise.
0: Well, thank you again to Sanal Idamaruku for taking the time to talk with me from Finland. We started talking at eleven p.m. my time. 9am his time. I'm now I'm now really good at doing the conversion. It took a while. But we talked for almost 3 hours, so I'm hugely thankful to Sanal for giving me so much of his time. And I hope I get to talk again. We touched on so many issues and some we only got to briefly talk about that I really would have loved to have picked his brain about more. All right, well that's it for this episode. Our theme music is by Brian Keith Dalton.
3: Our administrative editor is Ian Kramer.
0: You can support this show at MaximumFun.org join. Or you could leave us a Jumbotron at MaximumFun.org Jumbotron.
3: You can tell a friend or leave a positive review or tell your therapist.
0: <laughs> yeah, therapists love our show. You can follow Carrie on Instagram and see all her pictures of thermometers and wish her speedy recovery. I, I think she's getting better. I think she's past the worst of it. But boy, she's not been happy with COVID. Don't get it. It's bad.
3: And remember.
1: Think yourself. I mean, don't follow others. Follow yourself. I mean, that's the most important thing that one has to do. Think openly. Don't be afraid to think. And don't be afraid to speak out. And you can think of about anything. And you can judge yourself. Your judgment is most important, not other judgment. Just follow your point of view, your understanding. That's the most trustworthy thing.
0: Hello, dreamers. This is Evelyn Denton, CEO of the only world-class, fully immersive theme resort, Steeplechase. You know, I've been seeing more and more reports on the blogs that our beloved park simply isn't safe anymore. Mur-murder them?
3: I'm gonna wreck it.
0: They say they got mugged by brigands in the fantasy kingdom of Ephemera, or hijacked by space pirates in Infinitum. I mean, I could have a knife. My papa said that I needed to do a crime. Friends, I'm here to reassure you that it's all part of the show. These criminals were really just overzealous
1: staff trying to make things a little more magical for our guests. We're just as safe as we've always been. This isn't a county fair, dreamers. This is Steeplechase. The
0: Adventure Zone. Every Thursday at MaximumFun.org. Since the dawn of
3: time, man has dreamed of bringing life back from the dead. From Orpheus and Eurydice to Frankenstein's monster, resurrection has long been merely the stuff of myth, fiction, and fairy tale. Until now. Actually, we still can't bring
0: people back from the dead. That would be crazy, but the Dead Pilot Society podcast has found a way to resurrect great dead comedy pilots from Hollywood's finest writers. Every month, Dead Pilot Society brings you a reading of a comedy pilot that was sold and developed but never produced, performed by the funniest actors from film and television. How does Dead Pilot Society achieve this miracle? The answer can only be found at MaximumFun.org.